The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon. We are pounding away on our old-timey typewriters, writing about all kinds of spooky stuff, because this is a podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less than all throughout the month of October. We've been reviewing the scary ones, and this week, it's a doozy. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic. For IGN and uh, The Wrap and CriticallyAcclaimed.net, everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic for IGN and CriticallyAcclaimed.net. My recent review of uh, The Visitor, the 1979 film, not the 2012-ish film, mm. uh, yeah. is, is now up on the Critically Acclaimed website. Oh, yeah, it's good times. Uh, that was, a, uh, that was a, a Patreon request. That's right. We want to thank uh, all of our Patreon subscribers. You go to patreon.com slash cancel too soon. Contribute to the show. You get to vote for new episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. One episode every month is chosen by our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we also have uh, exclusive bonus content, bonus podcasts, uh, including the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie where mm-hmm. we review TV movies and miniseries and special events. We also have Only the Best, where we review all of the Oscar-winning, or all the Oscar-nominated Best Pictures in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of great stuff over there. Please check it out. And yeah, one of the perks is you can assign us articles to write for criticallyacclaimed.net. And uh, yeah, we're plugging away at all of those. And we're also plugging away at all these scary shows. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and this one was uh, qu- quite hefty. We had already uh, delayed this one by a whole week. And then we still and ended then up being had to, And had to delay it another half of a week because you were still not done with it. I, w- I wasn't done with mm. it. I had other work. I had my anniversary. It was Happy kind anniversary. of anniversary. Thank you. And you had an anniversary recently as well. I did. You copied me. I got married first. You got, you got, you got married like years before I did and mm. a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so you got married in mid-October well, we, we and I got, got married in late October. We got married in mid-October of 2010, my yeah. wife and I. And uh, we uh, were trying to get a push from my aunt uh, to get married on the 10th of October because not only is that her birthday, mm. but we would have been married on 10-10-10. Uh, uh, how cute would that have that's, been? That's fun. The date we could land was the 23rd. That's mm-hmm. our anniversary. And uh, by sheer coincidence, this was not planned that just happened to be Weird Al Yankovic's birthday as well. Oh, so that's and, kismet. And I, I am a huge, huge Weird Al Yankovic fan going back to when I was a child. And yeah, it's just by total coincidence. We did not plan it that way, I assure you. That makes sense now. Mm. Uh, I uh, I got married but, in 2016 on October 28th. Mm. 
Um, and we knew we wanted it around that time, and the 28th was just the best day we could do. Oh, okay. But that's neither here nor there. No, uh, we're, we're not. We're not talking about We're it. just explaining what the <laughs> hell happened. Because, yeah, we were supposed to have an episode a few days ago. We apologize for that. But we got a doozy for you today, because this is one of the most requested Cancel Too Soon shows of all time. It's one of the most influential Mm-hmm. Cancel Too Soon shows of all time. Um, and some people consider it one of the best Cancel Too Soon shows of all time. It is Kolchak, The Night Stalker. May I introduce myself? My name is Kolchak of the Daily Chronicle. Kolchak reports the bizarre, the supernatural, the unexplainable. You again in another crazy story. This nut thinks he is a vampire. You know what I call that? Irresponsible yellow journalism. He has killed four, maybe five women. I saw that so-called super killer wipe up the streets with your so-called police force. They don't want any help from amateur bloodhounds like you. I've been a reporter for 22 years. I've been a police officer for 30. Well, then why don't you retire? Each man in the field is issued one of these. And, uh, one of these. Are you suggesting that we pound one of these into Skorzeny's chest? No, no, into his heart. Darren McGavin. The Night Stalker. Kolchak, the Night Stalker, which makes it sound badass. I love television theme songs from the 1970s because they all sound like elevator music. But really intense elevator music. Like you're about to do something like really important on the 14th floor. Like you have like a minute in the elevator, but like something, it's either going to be something really sexy, really scary, or really jazzy. Yeah, possibly some combination of or just really relaxing, like Taxi. If you heard the the theme song to Taxi, it's just like oh, you're just waiting around. What that's Mash? No, that that was Taxi. Okay, and and the worst offender is not from the '70s. Though it would be Quantum Leap's theme song, which doesn't Uh, sound anything like Quantum Leap science fiction. It sounds like elevator music. Right, it's really terrible. But Kolchak and Nightstalker, I I I wish we were a video show so we could show you the opening because the opening credits of Kolchak the Nightstalker is Darren McGavin, the dad from A Christmas Story, (laughs) who's a great actor but not exactly like an imposing presence. Mm. He comes in in his like light blue suit and straw hat. He wears a he wears a polyester suit, a straw hat. It doesn't really fit him, and characters give him crap for it throughout the course of the show. I love that he has a costume. Like, he's mm. just a regular guy. He's a reporter. Kolchak yeah. is a reporter who investigates supernatural and, goings on. And but, like, he always any... wears exactly the same thing. What I love is that he's not on any specific beat. Like, he's just yeah. given whatever assignment. He has to investigate some things, just cover other things, some light stories, some heavy stories. He has and to be an advice columnist in one episode. And at least once a week. There's, in one episode. At least once a week, there's a supernatural occurrence that just happens mm. <laughs> to pop into yeah. his purview. And, but yeah, uh, he yeah, just sort of stumbles upon it, and uh, he, he Tony Vincenzo is his boss, played by the great, 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 great Simon Oakland, uh, who we who we most recently saw in David Cassidy, Man Undercover, mm-hmm. uh, but who was of course also in Psycho and West Side Story, uh, and and name name any any TV show at all from the nineteen sixties. Kojak, he was on that. Okay, yeah. right. <laughs> he was on Gentle Ben for God's sake. He's been on every TV. Just show. Just one of those great hard working actors. Yeah. But yeah, the opening credits is. Is just this really intense boom, but it's Darren McGavin going into the office, pouring himself some coffee, typing on a typewriter for a bit, and then the lights go out, and then he looks off off 
he looks off camera mm-hmm. and the camera like zooms in like oh god something scary just happened <laughs> you never know it's probably just one of his co-workers just saying oh you're working late no a social interaction I wasn't in the mood tonight uh, but yeah the, the premise is he's a reporter he investigates uh, supernatural stuff and this uh, set the template for all of the supernatural investigative shows that followed yeah Mo- most notably the X-Files but there have been many 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 well, others specifically the X-Files makes a lot of sense because uh, you know supernatural shows had been on the air before a lot of them were anthology shows like mm. Twilight Zone or uh, Outer, Outer Limits, Limits obviously yeah. uh, but this one was a narrative show about the same guy investigating the same supernatural crap the way that police officers would investigate whatever crime there was that week it's just this week it's a mummy this week it's a haunted suit of armor this week it's a doppelganger but that's not what a doppelganger is the doppelganger doppelganger episode makes no bloody sense oh my god like they did no research for most of these they just made shit up about all these cults and urban legends but um the thing that is very particular about Kolchak that is that really stands out in the era and would become really kind of an established genre trope by the time Chris Carter, who has openly said mm. Kolchak was a huge influence on the X Files, oh, really sure. yeah, yeah. But the the real gag in every episode of Kolchak is Darren McGavin investigates the supernatural. Finds out the supernatural is real. It's never like mm. might be supernatural. It's always a ghost or always definitely supernatural. Or a werewolf or a vampire. And by the end of the episode, there's no evidence. Mm. The police are always trying to cover it up to keep to make sure no one's panicking. And in the end, the, he can't prove it. And, and often his story is buried. Yeah, like you know, he starts writing this story, and, and it's like, oh, I put it on the wire. How dare you? And you know, it's, Tony Vincenzo, the boss, is classic high blood pressure, hates everything Kolchak does. Character. Yeah, but as the season goes and, on, he has more and more medical problems, and you know uh, it's mostly Kolchak's fault. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I expected to come in like he's bald or his hair is just totally white. One episode. Uh, and another thing is that because it's always most assuredly the supernatural, Kolchak never has any reason to doubt anything. Yeah, he's always he gung-ho one, about it. He's very gung-ho, and he just is so blasé about what the truth is of the matter. He's not trying to, like, sneak it around something. He's not trying to prove that all these things exist in the world. He's just a reporter doing his job. And, and he, he does com- other stuff. This he, is just one is, of the things yeah, he does every he, week. He is totally unimpressed that this stuff is real. Yeah. He's just frustrated that he can't get the cops to uh, to agree to anything. And what's really, what's really, really annoying is that he's right every week. Every it's not even week. like Mulder where sometimes he's slightly wrong or it's mm. a different weird thing that's happening this week. He's always 100% right and no one ever gives him the benefit of the doubt. Because no one ever once gives him the benefit of the doubt. Because he's a socially awkward, badly dressed asshole. Yeah. And that's that, and that's by design. Yeah, and, I love and I that of, And I kind of like that. He's this asshole schlub yeah. who's really brazen, who barges his way into every conversation. There's a really cute scene where... Um, some police investigators are looking at like a chalk outline on a staircase and they're just sort of having this really frank conversation about the weird circumstances of the death. And we slowly see his recorder dip into frame. <laughs> like he's not even in frame yet. We just see his tape recorder. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's a good bet. But you know, we're, t- we're in this time when I think 
There's so much dialogue in Kolchak the Night Stalker about the police and local mm. politicians talking about um, how the press are irresponsible and sensationalists and they're mm. lying to the public or they're just trying to stoke a panic. And, you know, that's conversation we're having now in very different contexts. At yeah. the time, it was just, ah, the press. Well, there's bad mm. that comes with the good. And now yeah. there are people like out there who think the press are the most evil thing in the world. And it's kind of interesting to watch Kolchak today mm. because, yeah. Kolchak is an abrasive dick. <laughs> However, well, he's doing his job and he's good at it and he's necessary. Col- Kolchak the Night Stalker, keep in mind, debuted in 1974. Mm. When was Watergate? Uh, <laughs> it was two years previous. Well, so, uh, what's interesting is that Kolchak, the uh, series, mm. debuted in 1974, but Kolchak began as a couple of TV movies starting in 1972. So, so there's this weird in the middle bit where uh, like he was he was ahead of his time and then exactly of his time in, in, <laughs> well, but in a weird way. All the conversations though about mistrusting reporters is something that was going on during the Watergate time. Yeah. It's like they're reporting the truth but the presidency is trying to say no no don't well, don't, listen, don't listen to them. Well and that, that predated Watergate specifically because that was the Pentagon Papers as well. Right, right, if right. you saw that Steven Spielberg movie The Post which hmm. I'm surprised people don't talk about more. It's actually really, really important. It's important <laughs> and it's really good. It's really and I good. think it might have been too timely for its own good. Maybe I think people so. thought like praising it would be kind of obvious, but mm. it's excellent. But yeah, it's the exact same conversation. We have all these classified documents. The American people have a right to know just how corrupt Mm. The government has been regarding the Vietnam War. And the government's just like, well, you can't tell them that because then they'll know we're bad. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the point. <laughs> that's here. the whole goddamn point. And, um, you know, we're reliving that today. Mm. So Kolchak is kind of the perfect hero for right now. And now would be a really good time to reboot him again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, think they, about it. they tried uh, in 2005, like the mid 2000s, there was another Kolchak reboot. Yeah, but like now would be a really good time to bring Kolchak back because mm. he's kind of the hero we need right now. But yeah, Kolchak uh, the Night Stalker started off as a TV movie called The, the Night, Night Stalker, Stalker. Uh, in 1972. Mm. Uh, it was directed by uh, John Llewellyn Moxie, but it was the screenplay was by Richard Matheson, who wrote yeah. some of the best episodes of The Twilight Zone. Mm. He's written some amazing horror novels and short stories. Um, it was produced by Dan Curtis, who created Dark Shadows. Oh, we mentioned that. We just did that episode very, mm. very recently. And um, it's an episode which is basically... Kind of just the prototype for Kolchak the Night Stalker. We meet Kolchak. He's working as an investigative reporter in Las Vegas mm. with his boss, Simon Oakland. And there's a serial murder out there. There's someone's killing a bunch of people, but they're draining the blood and there are suspicious bite marks. And Kolchak becomes increasingly convinced it's an actual honest-to-goodness vampire. And he tries mm. to convince the police to start carrying around wooden stakes. And of course, they don't <laughs> believe him. Um, and and he, there are several scenes uh, throughout just the whole course of Kolchak where he catches himself uh, on how ridiculous he sounds. It's like, no, no, the cops, you have to start. And he yells a lot in, in, over the course of the show. You have to start carrying stakes and you have to put it through their hearts. And you, Oh, I sound like a total loon, don't I? It's like, it's like Mulder turns into Scully halfway through the conversation. Because <laughs> if you remember in the X-Files, there was always that bit where like Mulder would explain everything. that, And we know what he saw. We know mm. what he's investigated. We know it's real. And he's trying to explain it to Scully. And then Scully just puts it in the most frank terms possible. It mm. sounds ludicrous. And she's like... Mulder, are you telling me that robot cockroaches are trying to uh, invade the planet Earth from space? And Mulder's like, 
Well, it sounds ridiculous when you say it, Skelly. Like the, her name we, was Bambi. Yeah, we, yeah, it's one of the best episodes. Of the show. War of the Corporophages. War of the Corporophages is it's a, such a good episode. The, the, the robot cockroach episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, like we don't have that character. It's just Kolchak. Mm. So he's just right all the time. We're on his side, but like no one ever believes he, him. He gets a few Gal Fridays, and this is one of the the weakest parts of the show. He treats all of the women in his life incredibly badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. he they're really annoying to him. He foists work on them without giving them any credit or pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he just like he lets, he just lets someone yeah. write an article for him. He doesn't want to write, and he says, "Well, yeah. I'll put my name on it." But this is good exposure for you. And yeah, just like he just that's really unethical, Gold he, he does. He's a lot of really unethical things. He. he in the movies, he talks about women in sort of a lascivious way, but that's just sort of falls by the wayside by you, the series. You get the impression that Kolchak is a bit of a ladies' man might be a nice way of putting it. He but used to be a ladies' man, and yeah, he's not anymore. He's kind of, now, he's been downgraded to sleaze. Yeah. He's yeah. just a bit of a sleaze. Mm. But yeah, in the series proper, he's actually kind of asexual. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he has interacts no, with no actual women. romances. He has interacts with women. He's very nice and polite to women, but like... And he flirts with them a little bit, but there are no love interests for him to speak of. And thank goodness, because can you imagine a guy like Kolchak having... Like, it would be he, miserable. He's married to his job, and it's a dysfunctional relationship already. You'd have to pair him with like somebody who's just as tough and just as obsessed as he is. You need a, you need a Scully. Played by Tyne Daly. That would be pretty good. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> or Stocker Channing. Either Cagney or Lacey. <laughs> Um, so over the course of uh, the the Night Stalker, which was a big hit, mm. uh, he investigates the vampire, he stops the vampire, and he actually ends up killing the vampire by staking it in the heart, and that actually becomes his undoing because the police saw him kill a guy. Yeah, so he's he's persona non grata <laughs> yeah, to so the police, and he can't write the story, so yeah, he just yeah. sort of so screwed the pol- himself. The police kind of know that he's right about the vampire thing, but they also hate him mm. so they force him to leave town <laughs> that's the end of the that's the end of the tv movie kolchak was right but he's got to leave town in well, shame and, and and this is every episode follows a pattern so we're going to you know refer to these a lot but yeah in every episode he he's investigating the supernatural thing he's convinced it's supernatural and the police aren't doing anything to help him because they hate him so he takes matters into his own hands and tries to stop the evil that he has witnessed not necessarily just report on it. And of course, journalistically, that's his undoing because mm. he's solved the crime, he's dissolved the monster, and again, there's no evidence and his story is dead. And and he's and he's kicked out of Las Vegas. And that's a real I like the I like the Night Stalker. I think it's it feels a little padded sometimes. Mm. There's like a couple of like sequences, especially towards the end, where because the Night Stalker, by the way, isn't Kolchak. The Night Stalker is the vampire. Mm. That's what it's called he talks people at night and Coljack is investigating it um but like there's this extended bits where he's like in pitch darkness just like wandering around the city trying to find the vampire feels a little padded well we do feels a little padded. we do get a few good shots of uh, the streets of las vegas in the 1970s but that's kind of uh, fun but yeah it just yeah. feels like you know the pacing's a little off but i like i like the obviously it's a great premise darren mcgavin is amazing hmm. and um, I like that it ends kind of tragically for him. Like it's not a heroic show. He's he's a he's a sad sack. He's a poor bastard. Mm. One year later, uh, they, I, I was, and it was a big hit. It was a big hit. Yeah, big so rating, one, big so rating one year later, they did a sequel uh, called "The Night Strangler," which is kind of an odd sequel because it's. 
basically the same story. It's just instead it's, of a vampire, it's, it's a super. It's, it's it, like the, the the liver eating guy from the X Files. Like it's a, a guy that comes out of hibernation every so so often, so he can yeah re- he's re up his immortality an, potion. He's an alchemist, and he's got to like extract fluids from people, and of course. No one believes Kolchak again. Uh, at the beginning of the Night Strangler, uh, Kolchak is kind of sh- out of his luck. I think he's in Seattle in that one. Is that where he uh, is? Yeah, he's, he's he he was kicked out of of uh, Las kicked Vegas. out of Las Vegas, never to return again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's he's in Seattle, and he's investigating. Uh, uh, this at the behest of his former editor Tony Simon Oakland, uh, who takes pity on Kolchak because before the vampire thing, Kolchak was a great reporter. Yeah, like he was he was a he was a dick, but like you could rely on him. He he was an excellent investigative journalist. Mm. So he throws him a bone, and of course, this bone ends up leading to another supernatural case, which follows the exact same plot. Like just I, switch out I, I, vampire for for immortal alchemist, and it's the same movie. I appreciate that it was an alchemist because that's at least novel. Yeah, and you did have those really. I I love these sorts of scenes where there's like, well, and this matches murders that happened like eight years previous. Yeah. Wait a minute, I found this really really old case from like a hundred years ago, and that's people are like fun. digging through old old archiving stuff. The story's the same. The tone is a little more abrasive this time it's around. It's a bit darker. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, the cool thing about like Col- a horror movie, Dan Curtis directed this one, mm-hmm. and I think he really wanted it to be more horrifying. Yeah. Uh, the fun thing about Kolchak is he's kind of a silly guy. Like he he just believes in the supernatural openly, it's, it's, and not out of faith. He just yeah. he's seen it. It's a fact. He's, yeah, he's seen it, and he just needs to report on this. And uh, he just well, we'll just sort of say it. He has no other agenda when he's through his investigation and. Here he feels like he has something to prove, like he really hates the way he's treated, and he seems a little bit more combative with all of the other characters. Well, in this one, you know, he, again, he lost at Mm. the end of that previous movie. He stopped a vampire, and he feels good about that, Mm. but his career hit the skids. Uh, He got kicked out of the town he liked. He got booted off a job he loved, and... he Things are kind of sucky for him, but as soon as he gets a new opportunity... He runs right at it with like his journalistic fists ablazing, mm-hmm. just ready to do the right thing. And if the story take goes in a supernatural direction and the facts support it, he's just going to have to deal with that. He's not going to yeah. lie. Simon Oakland has all of these like speeches about how yeah, but we we can't start a panic or we can't prove this or mm-hmm. and Coltex is like, but I'm right. me to run this story about a vampire. Well, yes, it's true. Did you put that on the wire? That they say that a lot. Did you put that on the wire? I Which, just put this on the wire. I was a little hazy about what that was, but anyway. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But I mean, I mean mailing it to the, the publishers. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. So there was going to be another Kolchak movie, and there were actually two potential stories that were allegedly in the works for it. Uh-huh. One ended up becoming an episode of the television show, which actually would have been the re- of the return of the vampire from the original film, but now uh, in New York. Yeah. Uh, the other, which would have been called, apparently, The Night Killers, hmm. would have been set in Hawaii. Ooh, Kolchak okay. once again working for Tony, but now they're in Hawaii, and uh, it has something to do with a UFO and people being killed and replaced by robots. All right. 
fine. Yeah. yeah. Which that's, is that's I think is fine. which I think is good because my only problem with the second movie, which is fine, mm-hmm. it's just kind of repetitive. Just have him do a, like instead of having a serial killer who's supernatural and stalking people in the middle of the night and the cops don't believe Kolchak, just replace it with any other supernatural thing. Just any <laughs> other kind of story. Turns out it's a Chewbacca. What, whatever. Just like a, a, another which is weird because that hasn't been like, invented yet. It's I guess yeah. they thought the serial killer was the appeal was the mm-hmm. appeal, but instead they decided to turn it into a television series. The television series was originally just called Kolchak. Uh huh. And then at some point, the uh, uh, the network decided that wasn't sassy enough, so they added Kolchak colon the Night Stalker, even though Kolchak was never the Night Stalker. He is now. I, he I, he was, stalks through the night. The day two. <laughs> I, was, I, was, uh, uh, I was watching this show was for a long time, because it's mm-hmm. a long show. It was a full season. In yeah. addition to two TV movies, that two we TV watched. movies and twenty full one-hour episodes, and back when TV hours were longer, yeah, like nowadays, like a full hour-long TV show, you take out uh, the commercials from a network show, it's about forty forty-two minutes. Um, back then, it was like fifty fifty-two. Oh. Like there really weren't a lot of commercials, so times have changed. So I'm watching <laughs> the show, and Michelle, Michelle, my wife, comes in, and she's like. Um, uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, does he ever actually stalk anyone at night? And I was like, not really. And then, like, the next scene, he was stalking someone at uh, night. And I was like, someone he does. At, he stalked someone at night and in every episode. The, the pattern was very clear. He, by the time we got to the climax, he'd uncovered the truth. He had said to Tony, well, I'm going to take care of it myself. And there's always a sequence where he stalks through the night. It's not a lot of dialogue, and he has a big confrontation. I know about every episode, but yeah, it yeah, happens. Uh, okay. Pretty much every episode. All right. Um... So this new show uh, ended up running from uh, September 13th, 1974 through March 28th, 1975. As you said, 20 episodes. Um, It was originally based off of an unpublished novel. By Uh, Richard Matheson, right? No, not by Richard Matheson. Mm. By um, uh, Jeff Rice. Okay. Whose only credits on IMDb, the only stuff he's ever done that returned to movies was Night Stalker stuff. All right. Um... But uh, I think, as in fact, I think he actually had to make sure he had to fight to get his name on the show because it had mm. kind of become its own thing. Yeah. Um, but <coughs> one of the most important people, like behind the scenes, creatively pushing the series wasn't Dan Curtis. It was actually David Chase, who would go on to do The Sopranos. Oh, okay. And he he created The Sopranos. It's, it's one of the most iconic shows in history. He also worked on The Rockford Files. He has a long, he has a long and, oh. and glorious career in television. And a lot of people, I, I wasn't there, I can't say, mm-hmm. uh, argue that he's one of the reasons why the show was so good. Oh, okay. <laughs> because he's very, very talented. But apparently a lot of talented people worked on it because the show was pretty good. Um, Funny you should bring up The Rockford Files. Oh, because uh, I, I was wondering, like, where Kolchak and Rockford sort of stood in relation to one another. Mm-hmm. Turns out they debuted on the same night. Isn't that weird? The Rockford Files and Kolchak the Night Stalker debut not uh, not directly opposite each other, but on the same evening. So if you're... It's a good night of television. Yeah, if, you, if you're watching TV in that September 1974. Mm. So uh, in the series, which takes place after the first two movies, it's not a total reboot, mm. uh, Carl and Tony are working for uh, INS, which mm. is basically like the Associated Press. They do a yeah. lot of the... They're the Chicago a- outlet of this international news uh, organization, and when they do the reporting and they send it out and it goes national. Mm. Um 
so we have Tony who runs the place. We have mm. uh, Kolchak who does a little bit of everything, but mostly the supernatural right. stuff. His first name is Carl, by the way. We haven't said that yet. Oh, yeah. Um, and we also get a supporting cast who mostly doesn't have much to do, but we see most mm. of them in every episode. Uh, there's a there's a uh, Terry Thomas-esque, you know, like a feat. Schmo, uh, <laughs> played by Jack Greenwich, named Ron Updike, and of course, uh, uh, Kolchak calls him Uptight, which he's, is because he's uptight. He's uptight, um, and he's basically the foil. He's Kolchak's always mm. screwing him over, or mad that he gets a better assignment than Kolchak. But of course, Kolchak's assignment mm. leads to the supernatural. Well, uh, Updike is a wimp, and that's his character, and yeah. that's that's fine. It's a good foil for somebody like Kolchak, who's just sort of a, a grizzled. Sad sack. Now, the uh, in the first few episodes of the season, the other reporter who's working there uh, is Monique Marmelstein. Uh, she's played by Carol Ann Susie, and the idea is that she's like the daughter of the publisher, and she mm-hmm. really wants to be uh, a reporter, but the publisher doesn't actually want her to, so he's actually she, fine when she gets sidelined with Kolchak. <laughs> she just unceremoniously leaves the show. She just doesn't, she's yeah, just not well, there after like four or five episodes. I, I wasn't sure if they even intended to have her c- continue. Well, she was on multiple episodes. But yeah, like... Here and there, yeah, but like she was on a few, and then they, I guess, like up, Updike is in almost every episode. Yeah, he has a very thankless role. He mm. almost never gets involved in the plot. He's just sort mm. of just like, well, I have something funny to say, and mm. it's like, oh, thank you, Uptight. I'm a jerk, and that's <laughs> Jack Greenwich's. Mm. That's his paycheck this week. That's what he did. Um, yeah, good for it. Good work if you can fight it, I suppose. It's fine. The more interesting character that I think they add, and mm. I kind of wish I'd seen more of her and she'd gotten more involved in Kolchak's stories, yeah. uh, is Miss Emily Cowles, played by Ruth McDevitt. Ruth McDevitt was she, in... And she, she's a kind old lady. I love her so much. She was in the... Ruth McDevitt was in The Birds. She was also in a Cancel Too Soon, so I want to track down, uh, called Pistols and Petticoats. <laughs> And the N is the letter N with an apostrophe on either side, like in Trick or Treat. Oh, jeez. I want to see that show. Pistols and petticoats. Uh, But yeah, so she's like, she does like a lot of like the, the... The sillier stuff, like the advice column stuff, mm. or, or like she the society the, pages. She does the, the crossword puzzles. So yeah. somebody will say like a weird word or a weird turn of phrase, and we hear her pipe up in the background. That's going in the puzzle. But like every time she actually gets some real dialogue, she's actually an interesting character. It turns out she's she's only doing the journal. She's like in her 60s at least. She's only doing journalism because her dream is to... Uh, write mystery novels, so mm. she loves what Carl Kolchak does. Um, and... She, like, sticks up for the elderly in a couple episodes where, like, supernatural beasts are playing for the elderly and people yeah, say shitty yeah. things about old people. And she just, like, gives them a look. It's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, and I like her a lot. And she's a lot of fun on the show. Mm. Um, so, and yeah. I, so I wish this was more like a, an ensemble thing. It's all just Kolchak. He does the narration. He does, a, a like, a almost a film noir type narration. Mm-hmm. Wow, this story is something you'll never believe. And what I love about the Kolchak character is that's a really cool narration, but Darren McGavin knows to read it as if uh, Kolchak thinks he's cool without actually being cool. Yeah. Like, he he thinks he sounds really great when really he just sort of sounds like a schlub. Yeah, like, he's a good writer. He's probably not a good deliverer. Right. You know, like, you you wouldn't want him to give a speech anywhere, but by (laughs) God, he writes good copy. Um, but yeah, every episode is pretty straightforward. Uh, Kolchak gets an assignment. The assignment leads to the supernatural. Mm. Kolchak fights and solves the supernatural, but in the end, 
Nobody believes him, and that's about it. One thing that I'm reminded every time we do a long-running show from the 70s, uh-huh. shows from the 1970s were not intended to be binged. Oh, goodness, no. It's the same uh, episode over and over. It's fine if you're just like a week between when you watch them. If you're watching them all in the row, they just sort of bleed together. You, you start seeing the patterns and the formula real fast. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really deviate too strongly, uh, which is fine because, you know, they're just sort of cranking these out on a weekly basis and they yeah. have uh, the same writers working on all of them. At the time, so. it makes perfect sense. And you want them to, at the time, you really want them to be standalone because... Mm. There's no guarantee people saw every episode, right. so you just kind of want it to be like any other, you know, Law and Order type I mean, investigative it, it had action to, show. It was a mystery of the week by necessity, and yeah. uh, and that's fine. Yep. Uh, some of the stories were more interesting than others. You tune in. There's like at least one killer line of dialogue in every episode. But yeah, you watch four, five, six of these in a row, and you go a little cross-eyed. And and they're all like, honestly, the difference between the worst episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker and the best episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker, pretty thin. Now that's not well, to say that they're all great. It's just like again, they're all the same episode. It, it, it all depends on sort of the novelty of the monster of that week. Mm. Uh, like w- the first episode is is called The Ripper, and it's about the return of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, it's basically it's, Kolchak. It's basically you know, like the first two movies are just Kolchak versus a supernatural serial killer. Mm. That's the pilot of the show, <laughs> but it's actually uh, if, Jack if, the Ripper. If you hadn't seen the movies, yeah, that's a, that's a fine approach. That's fine. It's mm. it's it's fine. It's a perfectly good episode, but it's it, it's. I started to wonder as I got to the third supernatural <laughs> serial killer episode uh, with the exact same like formula to the plot structure if mm. this was ever going to do anything else Duh. like it's just and this time the gill man is killing people randomly like so yeah, uh, there was yeah. no gill man but there was a moss man <laughs> Yes, there was a boss man. We'll get to him. Uh, so yeah, the first one, he fights Jack the Ripper, and then he beats Jack the Ripper, and then we move on. That's kind of stuff. Well, I mean, but doesn't... you start big. You start big, because yeah. we already had a vampire. We already had a, 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 a eternal killer with right. the immortality potion. You really want to kick it off in a big way. You start with, not, since we already did vampire, vampire's kind of boring. And there's a vampire episode too. So. There's at least there's at least one. At least there was one, the vampire. Yeah. Oh, there was the movie, and then there's another vampire episode. Yeah, yeah. which is a sequel to the movie. Uh, so then the but, next. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in the pilot of your show, you have to start with something recognizable. Jack the Ripper is a, a pretty easy get. It's a good hook. It's yeah. a fun hook. Jack the Ripper is alive and well and working today. Uh, the We've movie seen time it a hundred times time before. Would work yeah. with that eventually as well. The next episode, uh, someone is killing people in the middle of the night, and it's a zombie this time. Mm. But credit where credit is due, the story doesn't follow the exact same pattern as before. Uh, Because the zombie, and this is another wrinkle that you see in a lot of supernatural things, where the monster is is a serial killer, but they're essentially a hitman. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some sort of supernatural boogeyman that somebody's evoked to kill off their enemies. Yeah, and in this case, uh, it's a woman, I think her son got killed by gangsters, and Mm -hmm. she brought him back to life to kill them. So he's dealing with a different side of society. You get some fun character bits. Scatman Crothers is in this episode. (laughs) That's always great. There's a few notable guest stars. Some have bigger roles than others. But you know, like Scatman's barely in this. I think he has like what two mm. scenes or something. But they're good scenes. Mm. So, uh, but this one's fun. It's interesting because it's like the mid '70s were like the last time people started doing like consistently old school voodoo zombies, like the mm. the George Romero Walking Dead zombies. 
Well, they those were, would take over, but this well, is like one I, of the last big ones. I'm not sure when the word zombie was applied to that. Because it wasn't in Night of the Living Dead. They never said zombie. They referred to them as ghouls. Yeah. But yeah, uh, eventually somehow zombie became conflated with those ghouls. Whereas uh, previously zombies were, I walked with a zombie. It was the the, the Haitian voodoo. We bury you alive and pump you full of like weird chemicals and stuff. And you just essentially become a mind wiped slave. You're not necessarily the walking dead. Right. Uh, So the next episode is called, and this is a great title. Mm. They have been. They are. (laughs) They will be in this episode. And this is actually one of my favorite types of episodes because one one that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, it makes no sense. But I'm talking about like uh, the setup. This is this plays like a classic Spider-Man comic in which just nothing goes Kolchak's way. So the whole point is Kolchak did Uptight a favor Mm. and Uptight, who was covering Uh, the sports beat. You can call him Uptight. It's all right. Whatever. <laughs> he, he did Updike a favor. Mm. Updike uh, uh, agreed to get him like box seats for like the Cubs game, mm. uh, and so Colchak. Oh, oh, right, is, right, we're in Chicago, by yeah. the way. Oh yeah, this is in the Chicago now, and uh, the whole series takes place in Chicago. That's where they settled. So like the whole episode is Kolchak trying to get to baseball games, but there's always a new wrinkle in the case, and he can't stop himself from doing his job. So mm. he's following in the case. <laughs> the case itself. Is it's like preposterous even by Kolchak standards because there's disappearing metal and dead like, cats in the zoo. The, and- the, uh, <laughs> so they they he, Kolchak and the cops at the start of the episode like are on a raid of some kind and they open up this big warehouse and there's a big stack of is it lead or it's, it's some, sort, some, of, like, sort, of, some sort of some me- sort of like metal yeah. ingots in a big pile and they just sort of fade from they vanish before their very eyes yeah now, okay intriguing mystery what the hell is that about yeah I'm, we I never know. find out well you kind of do because we, we ha- find out like who's doing it but we don't know why yeah it's 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 got these one of those like it's like one of those frustrating episodes of the X Files where you know something happened but yeah. Good luck. Or it's, like it, it, at the end of uh, um, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. It's oh like, yeah, this, this big mystery. Who is the Half Blood Prince? Well, who is the Half Blood Prince? It could be anybody. This Half Blood Prince. We'd, this mysterious name is being floated around, and finally, uh, Alan Rickman steps forward and says, "I am the Half Blood Prince." Great. What is that? What, what does it mean? What, <laughs> I, what what the hell is a Half Blood Prince? That pissed me off. And I read the book, so I actually know why that was important. And um, I couldn't believe they made they, an entire movie called Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince mm-hmm. and never explained why that mattered. Yeah, like what? It's, we I'm don't know what the Prince, character is or which why. Which means uh, why the following. Uh-huh. Which means the following thanks. Mm-hmm. I'll stop the movie right here and you'll thank uh, me. Stop the episode. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, uh-huh. over the course of this episode, I like like the structure of like he's trying to do something but he gets constantly sidetracked that mm. feels like a spider-man plot like oh, i gotta go pick aunt may up from like her yeah, church but, meeting but damn but, it the sandman the, the, robbed yes. a bank like <laughs> that's what it feels like um the rhino is crashing trucks for no reason but the best i can come up with at the end of this is that aliens like took a pit stop on earth to steal supplies or mm. something and he like describes it as aliens coming to earth picking up a snack and going on about their way like we're some kind of roadside like liquor store and oh, that oh, was that. I, like that I like that we're a road stop it's a it's a neat idea it's 
so poorly told because yeah. they just feel like they can do anything and it doesn't need to have any sort of real cohesion. Mm-hmm. It's a frustrating episode. Um, uh, on uh, on Wikipedia, they pointed out that even though he's going to these baseball games, the Cubs are in the World Series. The Cubs weren't in the World Series. It was just <laughs> wishful thinking. Very wishful thinking. There, there was no Cubs versus Red Sox World Series game in that year. All right, episode four, The Vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, uh, Kolchak goes to San Francisco ostensibly to interview some sort of guru. Mm-hmm. The guru is out of town, so he interviews the guru's real estate agent who also wants to be a journalist. That goes nowhere. Well, and, and and this is why I said he treats her like crap. It's like, why don't yeah. you do all this copy for me? Can I help out? No, you need to stay in my hotel room. Yeah. He essentially keeps her prisoner for no good I reason. Mean, he doesn't lock the door, well, but like, he, no, he exploits but her labor. That's true. Yeah. I'm just like, he made it sound like he kidnapped her. He didn't do that. It, but that's like, what it feels like to me. Yeah, that's, right. He's he's not treating her well. He's keep making sure she stays in this room and you know, lying to her so she'll stay in no, there. No, he's an unforgiving and she takes it with good humor, which is the only way the show gets away with it but if you think about it for two seconds it's really fucked up but the plot of this episode is that one of the women that was killed by the night stalker Hmm. uh in the the original tv movie didn't die and came back as a vampire and now she's out killing people Hmm. fine good sequel it's fine it's perfectly valid i don't think i've ever seen that in a vampire sequel before just someone that whoops we missed one yeah like we missed like this person was turned into a vampire by the vampire from the last movie and now they're the bad guy yeah I honestly like don't a, like you like it's like dracula's daughter it's like not just one of dracula's victims yeah i honestly yeah just like passing I, I know, off the torch like that. I, I don't i've, know if seen, I've seen that. i've seen like a lot of unofficial, very bad sequels to Dracula where, uh, like, Lucy or well, Mina comes back as, well, I mean, as a vampire. If you think about it, like, the howling, like, two, mm. like, sort of switched off like that, and, like, yeah. just, like the woman became a, vamp- a werewolf well, and that in, followed the plot. In the howling seven, they explain that the soul of Sturba has been sort of floating around and is responsible for all of the werewolf shenanigans and all these otherwise completely unconnected movies. That is one stupid film. So the next episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker is called The Werewolf. Um, <laughs> beautiful segue. Total accident. In this episode, Kolchak's boss, Tony... It's also the Christmas episode. Oh, yeah. uh, Kolchak's boss, Tony, is uh, very excited because he finally gets to take a vacation. He hasn't had one in years. Mm. And he's go- taking a vacation. And ostensibly it's a work trip, but it's actually like a really cushy gig. He's going on the last voyage of a very classy old cruise ship. And it's and, and it's a singles cruise, mm-hmm. which so, was the sort of like thing. S- anonymous singles mixers were brand new at the time. I guess, yeah, you know, like, were, like these sort of like novel. dating services weren't really around in like the fifties and sixties. Um, and he's very excited, he's very happy, but wouldn't you know it? Some shit happens at work. He's got to stay home, but someone has to actually do the assignment he promised to do while on the trip. So Kolchak has to go on the ship, and Kolchak doesn't want to fucking do it. He's an urbanite; he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so Kolchak is on this singles cruise, and, and, and everyone's and trying love- to get him laid. And meanwhile, one of the passengers is a werewolf trying to kill everybody. Mm. Which is actually a fun setup. Uh, it's, it's a fun setup. Werewolf on a cruise ship. Don't see that too often. That's different. Um, 
and you know, enclosed space. It's easy to track to track them down. It it doesn't quite go to the Agatha Christie. Like I wish there was the accusing parlor scene <laughs> where he gathers together all the potential uh, suspects in it's one room. The but yeah, sadly that doesn't happen in the episode. But I do appreciate that we. This is the episode where it really is cemented that Kolchak himself is just an asexual being. Yeah, or, or just has no interest in pursuing relationships. He's only interested in his job. Mm. That's it. Everything else, like you get the impression he has dated. And, and he'd rather are, work. And there are some women who show interest. And he just never. No, it's just not his thing. He's fine. Uh, but oh, in this episode, uh, co-stars the werewolf is played by Eric Braden, who would go on to a very long career on The Young and the Restless. He was on that <laughs> show from 1980 mm. to now. <laughs> He's, He's been in 2,798 episodes Hooray. of The Young and the Restless. He was also on Bold and the Beautiful for a while and crossover episodes, which is how I knew him. Uh, yeah, he was a big fucking big deal in, in the daytime, scene, in yeah. daytime television. But anyway, um, mm. but that's a, that's a that's a perfectly fun episode of Kolchak. The next episode is called Firefall. This is the one that makes the least sense of them all. Oh yeah, this, this one, is the this, do- this is the doppelganger episode. So somebody's starting fires, and for a while you think it's like a fire starter, like somebody yeah. who can start fires with their mind. But that's not quite it. No, in fact, it someone, turns out. Oh God. Oh, okay. So someone died. Somebody died. Uh, they were an arsonist, and they died. And their ghost has now somehow possessing this one guy, but not him. It's like t- taken his soul and made a complete, like a, a duplicate that's also stalking him and driving him crazy. But only he can see the duplicate. Yeah, like but the, if you fall, like the ghost and, took his form for some reason, and the only way to prevent him from being taken over by the ghost is to never fall asleep. Yeah, like, there's like way too many elements and, yeah, and, to this. And, like and the doppelganger can possess his body once he falls that's asleep. That's not really and, a doppelganger. N- it's not, not. In a conventional way. Like a doppelganger is someone who looks like you. Yeah, that's a, it. A, really, a duplicate of you from yeah. a parallel universe or whatever. We're you know, not talking about like ghost arsonists. Who can't let you sleep? And like, there's a really spooky stupid. scene where he's the 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 fellow in question is like they they had to bring him inside uh, because if he goes outside he'll be caught. I forgot the exact detail, it's but really he's weird. inside. He's, he's on holy ground or something, right? That's right. He's he's in a yeah. church, and yeah. there's um the doppelganger can't get in, but it, we can see it sort of like stalking through the windows. And there's some, a good spooky sequence where he's looking out the windows, and we see the thing kind of stalking around, kind of staring in back at him. That was kind of cool, just in a vacuum. But yeah, the story makes no sense. Mm-hmm. The next episode... That might be the worst episode. It's uh, a good argument that it is. The next episode is The Devil's Platform. This one I actually quite liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one co-stars Tom Skerritt, who oh. would, of course, go on to become Tom Skerritt. <laughs> Starring an alien. You know Tom Skerritt. Tom, Tom Skerritt. He was a young man here. You'd never know it by looking. Tom, Tom Skerritt, the guy who, for many years, I thought was Chris Christopherson's little brother. Like, they, they have they the have same that, vibe. They do have that kind of vibe. Uh, Tom Skerritt is Christ- Christopherson with worse hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, 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 and of course, Chris Christopherson is Sam Elliott with worse hair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Sam Elliott. They, when it comes they to were movie car- hair, there's Sam Elliott and everyone underneath. They were carved off of the same Gruntus. What? That's a weird reference. Don't okay. ask. So in this episode, uh, Tom Skerritt plays a politician, and a lot of people who would be causing trouble for him are mysteriously getting killed by like a demonic Rottweiler. Turns out the demonic Rottweiler is Tom Skerritt because he made a deal with the devil. 
and he's rising to power. Is this and, really... and they they do. Yeah. What I love about uh, this episode is we get to actually talk with the monster. Yeah. Uh, th- which we don't get to do. Usually the monster is a monster. They don't have a lot to say. They're just sort of murdering things. Or, yeah. Or They're a force to, that must be stopped. Sh- shenanigans. And this time it's actually somebody you can reason with. Yeah. So like there's this bit where uh, Kolchak night stalks uh, into <laughs> Tom Skerritt's dwelling. Mm. And he's got like this satanic altar in his basement. And it looks like those like little sta- wi- those wiggly daggers you see in all those satanic movies. You gotta love those wiggly daggers. I don't know what you call them, but they're great. And <laughs> yeah, it looks like a little bit more expensive than Mono's The Hands of Fate, but it's the same design school. <laughs> you know, like it's the so, same same guy in a bigger for, budget fertilizer salesman mm-hmm. school of design. But yeah, uh, Tom Skerritt says, "Ah, Kolchak, so you found my secret. Well, you're a good reporter, but you'll never be successful because nobody likes you." However, I can make you a deal. And then Darren McGavin's like, well, can I think about this? And it's like, uh, no, because if you try to leave the room, I will sacrifice you to my to my demon god. And Darren mm. McGavin's like, crap. Well, well what do I do now? <laughs> Fortunately, I have all this holy water. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... You get the sense that Kolchak, even though he's confronted with the supernatural time and time again, that he still doesn't believe in a lot. Like, he's just a, a really down-to-earth well, sort of guy. This is one of the things that's frustrating about a show like Kolchak the Night Stalkers, mm-hmm. because every episode is Kolchak dealing with the strange and unusual. Mm-hmm. Most of Kolchak's life is not dealing with strange and unusual. Like, you realize this would be like if you were a journalist, and you were a journalist for 50 years, and you covered 20 murders in all of that mm-hmm. time. That's still novel to you every time. Oh, God, someone died. Well, I respect human life, and I'm going to take this seriously. But mostly I do stuff like, oh, there's a new diamond necklace at the museum, and I have to write that up. Mm. Like, that's mostly the kind of shit he does. <laughs> so, well, like, this is still ex- important to him. He takes it really seriously. Well, he, he takes it seriously while he's writing the story, but when the story is killed and he's on to, you know... Co- going to the opening of a post office or whatever he has to cover next. That's the story of the time. He, he's not trying to sort of say, oh, by the way, vampires are still real from eight episodes ago. Yeah. He's not ringing the bell saying well, it's not, important. The, this is world changing. He doesn't care. He's not a conspiracy theorist. No. He's not one of these people who's like says that the supernatural is real or that some wild, bizarre story is the truth because that's the only way that he can you know, sort of connect the dots in this really chaotic world of ours. That's the he way just, they do it. If it was modern, he'd become like this obsessive kind of character. Well, that's, that's it's like Fox Mulder was halfway there. And, yeah. I, and in the rebooted or the newer seasons of the X-Files, they kind of tried to make that connection. Hmm. Like conspiracy theorists in the nineties were seen as kind of like eccentric, minor like they're geniuses but they're geniuses at something weird and stupid <laughs> like and in nowadays we look at them as crazy alex jones people right and the, all politics well, aside and stuff that guy said bags. is fucking insane and <laughs> no politics don't even get near somebody like alex jones fine fair enough i i'm not yeah so uh but yeah here this is just this is just this thing he does and it's a sort of thing where i kind of wish there were more stories about Kolchak investigating supernatural and finding out this one wasn't supernatural. And that would have mm. actually given the various people he works with, like Tony or the various cops who show up in multiple episodes. It would have given them the ammunition they need to say, OK, well, so you think this one's a vampire? Last one wasn't. 
Yeah. Last one yeah. was a guy who thought he was a vampire. Like, that would have been fine. Well, you could have uh, done that. And they never do that. They never do that, but it, it always works with Kolchak because Kolchak is such an abrasive human being. <laughs> he, he doesn't present his arguments clearly or succinctly. He's never calm, and he's just unattractive and unappealing. And I and that's that's the appeal of the character, is that he's a schlub that people can't take seriously because of his demeanor. But here's my thing. His character gets in the way, and that's kind of his tragedy. Well, as Tom Skerritt told him. Mm. And that's true. But at the same time, it's not his job to be liked. It's his job to be right. And he's a mm. good journalist. He's sometimes shitty. Mm. And, and sometimes he's exploitative of his other workers, which I'm not going to forgive. But at the well, time, and, that's and seen as like this weird, quirky side story. That And he's getting the truth, but he's doing it by all these like either unethical or just mm. unwanted means. Pretending he's to be someone he's audiences. not, like lying about like why he's in a building. He, and, he, he reportedly, quote, goes undercover like once every other episode. It's like, oh, yes, I'm really an art scholar and but he's still Darren McGavin just in the same crappy suit so he's never ever convincing I love I love it when uh, like he has to like okay you're gonna give me all this information but I have to buy a coat of arms from your history store oh, in like yeah. a frame <laughs> and then he has to go to Tony and it's just like can you expense this yeah I need an expense account of this at 67.50 for what the 70s it's like a million dollars my favorite was when he had the scene where he had to explain his expensing of like a taxidermied bird. <laughs> they had to get some facts about taxidermy from a taxidermist. He's like, Oh, well taxidermy is actually a very complicated science. Like, yeah, I'll tell you, but you have to buy this bird. So he pins so, like $50 so, like, on a bird. Hard, yeah, hard cuts. Like, look, I know it was 50 bucks, but I really needed that information. And they're just staring at this taxidermied bird. What, what are I, we thinking? T- Tony has a great line at that point. He's just like, I could have bought 10 real birds for that. <laughs> the next episode we're getting into problematic territory here because the next episode is bad medicine. It is oh, about this is a good racist episode. Yeah, this is about a a and I listen. I apologize if I ever used the wrong term, uh, but uh, Native American indigenous peoples. Uh, it's about a spirit. Uh, Shapeshift, a manimal, essentially. Yeah, a manimal, a supernatural spirit who is, for reasons that are never entirely clear, stealing diamonds. He's an ancient. I got the feel. They, you know, no, they said what the diamonds were at some point. Like they I, were, they were like fueling his sleep cycle or something. They never really showed what it, he was that, doing with I them. I can't but wrap yeah. my head around that. It's too, it's too esoteric. It's mm. not like they stole this from the land where I sleep or something yeah. that makes sense to me. It's like this weird, like oh yeah, I need to put that into like my, my magic mm. processor in order to get more magic. But, yeah, but the it, worst part is that the the Native American spirit is played by Richard Keel. From uh, who was Jaws and James Bond? He's, he was well, Ega in Ega. Well known, very tall man. We've run into him before on episodes. Mm. He, yeah, he's he was his whole thing. He's, he seems like a nice enough guy. He mostly just plays the really tall guy. Usually, yeah. it's some sort of brute or like hired he, he, goon. Yeah, he rarely had speaking lines. Uh, my favorite Richard Keel performance is, of course, uh, from the classic Twilight Zone episode "To Serve Man," where he played like the leader of this really tall race of aliens mm. uh, who have come to Earth and. Order to make all of our lives it's better. Like the to serve man episode. Yeah. Surely if, there will be if, no ironic twist. If, if you don't, <laughs> look, if you don't know the twist to to uh, to, uh, to serve man, first of all, educate yourself. Uh, yeah, 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 everyone's got to start somewhere. But yeah. it, that's a classic Twilight. I'm not going to tell you what the twist. That's is. one of the great sci-fi like stories of the 20th century, and you mm-hmm. should totally watch that episode. Um, but yeah, here. 
Yeah, he's 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 really yeah he's a shapeshifter he's killing, but like, all, killing rich but old ladies for their diamonds it's and, just really quite racist uh, yeah it really is um i remember i was watching uh, I, like the old uh, uh spider-man cartoons from the 60s mm-hmm. and there was an there's actually another one where there was uh uh an, an indigenous person who was like stealing things or something but like Using supernatural powers or a special like hunting skills or something, mm-hmm. and someone like saw their head in a window. It's like, what is that? And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> just, just an it's Indian a guy. person, um, you ass. What the fuck? The attitude about like this dude. was so backward and mm-hmm. painful to watch these episodes. It's painful to watch these episodes. Uh, given the number of sort of like cartoon Indian characters I grew up watching, it, it just sort of was a th- kind of a throwback to all the crap I consumed as a child, all this, all these racist things. That doesn't make it okay. Uh, no, it doesn't make it okay. It's just, it, it was a different time. And uh, I wish people could see how many air quotes that we're yeah. doing in this bit of the conversation. <laughs> it was a um, different time. It was a different time. So... Indian characters were always the mystics with like uh-huh. they always had the feathers sticking straight up and the headband and uh, it's really a- Asian characters theory. were always martial arts experts and had some kind of like wacky elixir that brought magic out. Yeah, there what's, was, what's worse, this or Sid Haig in the Monster Squad? Ooh, um, it's they're Sid both, ha- bad. Uh, both d- bad. They're equal. They're both bad. <laughs> okay, so the next episode. Oh, by the way, um, Sherman Alexi. Native mm. American author mm. uh, has been trying to teach people to just say Indian. Okay, see that's, that, a, that's, I, that's that's he says that's not an offensive term. Okay, that uh, it, it came it was derived from in Dios people in God, which was how the Europeans described them, and that was actually a very good description. He felt so. Yeah, he said um, that Indian is perfectly acceptable. Sometimes I've been saying Indian, but if I offend people with it, um, we, we're trying to I'm, say I'm try, the right thing. But right like thing, yeah. some people have preferences in the mm. way that they would like their uh, their people, their culture to mm. be discussed. Um, sometimes these uh, terminologies change over time. Yeah, and what was once acceptable is now no longer acceptable in so any yeah, way, I've, shape, or I've form. Been, we mean the right thing. I've been trying to say the right term. If it's yeah. incorrect, I wish someone would correct me. Okay. Uh, the next episode mm-hmm. also one, has Richard Keel. <laughs> yeah, two, two Richard Keel episodes in a row. This one, he doesn't but, get as much face time because he's actually just covered in moss and attacking people because some guy who's in a sleep deprivation experiment, his dreams are becoming a reality. He's the lathe of heaven. Yeah, basically. Really. Or, like, or Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger attacked other people while you slept. Um, There's a twist on the Nightmare on Elm Street. Somebody gets control of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I think Peter Jackson thought about doing something like that when he was going to do like Friday 13th, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street, like five or six. Okay. I heard something like that. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, so in this episode, someone, a moss monster is killing people and Darren McGavin tracks him down to a guy who couldn't possibly be the culprit because they know exactly where he is every night because he's part of a sleep experiment. Mm. And But, of course, that's the thing. Retro Keel is credited uh, is, as the Moss Monster. You'd never know it was him. It's so bizarre. This is like the doppelganger episodes. Like, there's too much going on. Yeah. It's like, and there's like some Creole mysticism in this episode. Yeah, because like, he's because that's where he has like that's his like that's his boogeyman. Like that's where he grew up. That was like the scary yeah. stories my parents told him at night was about this so moss we, monster. We have a moss monster stalking through sewers, killing people, but also a sleep experiment, but also Creole mystic. It's like yeah, just for fun. One of those. <laughs> you don't need all three. 
You're getting a little too ambitious. They need two. One that's a misdirect and one that's the real thing. Okay, fair. You start off with the moss monster and then it turns out it's the dream thing. We don't need all these other... It's way too much for way too little. Mm. Um, This is... I think this is the first episode where we get Keenan Wynn. Um, oh, Keenan Wynn. I, yeah. I, I love the first episode with Keenan Wynn. It might, mm-hmm. You're right. It might have been this one because this one. Keenan Wynn, you know him as like the angriest man on the planet. <laughs> he, he was the bad guy in a lot of uh, Disney live action films. Herbie he rides in, again. Yeah. Yeah. He played a really similar character in, in other live action Disney films. Yeah. One of the great, reliable character actors. Another guy who was in like literally everything. He was like, in every show we do that lasted more really? than a couple episodes in this time period, in, like the late in like the seventies to early eighties. He he's the, in at least one episode. He had one of the funniest lines in Doctor Strange Love. Where uh, where uh, Captain Mandrake, uh, the the British, is like is trying to call. He's, he's, he's trying to call the president, but he only has a payphone. He doesn't know how to get through to the president, and he's like, uh, "And I need more coins." Uh, and the soldier is taking him hostage. Says, "You need to get the president on that phone, otherwise you're my you're my prisoner." Yeah, you can't. And that's you- Keenan Win. He's like. And and he keeps like saying, "Shoot it! Use your gun! Shoot that! Shoot the the machine! I need the coins out shoot so I can the make Coca-Cola all your, machine shoot the Coca Cola machine." And Keenan Wynn says, "You know what happens if you don't get the president on that line?" Like what? Well, what's what's going to happen? You're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola company. <laughs> and he shoots the machine. I totally forgot that was Keenan. That was Keenan. He's so fucking great. He's really <laughs> really fun. And in this episode, he's playing the typical angry cop. In fact, his character's name is Captain Joe Mad Dog mm. Siska. And but, but in this episode, he's been taking anger management classes. He's reformed. So yeah. he's he's the previously seeing Keenan win as the, the calm, level-headed one was such a. a I was so blindsided by his performance. It's actually really funny because like, but, yeah. he's trying to keep his head. He talks to Kolchak as if they're like friends. Like, no, listen, I've put aside my anger, Kolchak. Mm. But you can tell, like, the tone. Like, uh-huh. he's angry about putting aside his anger. <laughs> like, I've put aside my anger, Kolchak. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> like, I fucking you're, dare you to piss me off right now. You're <laughs> waiting for him to explode. And, of course, he does, and it is glorious. Yeah. Um yeah, that's the best part of this really, really kind of bad episode. <laughs> Poor Richard Keel. He's in two uh, of the worst episodes of Goldjack. Um, what was the next one? The next one is the Energy the, Eater. The, it's the that really the bear invisible bear monster in the yeah. basement of a hospital. Okay, I like the setup for this one because it sounded so epic. So there's this brand new hospital in Chicago. Mm. And it's top of the line. It's a big national news, like the best hospital in the country. But it's malfunctioning. Yeah. So Kolchak, like he's just covering the opening, but he's a snoop. You know, he mm-hmm. wants to get a good story out of it. And he falls people down to a basement, which is supposedly not done being under construction yet. And he finds out the basement is weird. The air conditioning is on full blast, but it's really hot in there. There's structural damage in the walls. <laughs> Something weird is going on. And um, I loved the setup. And by the time they were just like, yeah, it's like some kind of invisible ghost bear. I'm like, you lost me. I thought it was over the mouth of hell or something, like something cool. Like you picked the dumbest thing for this to be. It it reminded me so much of that movie uh, High Rise and and the J.G. Ballard novel as well, which I've read. Really? I think it's a bit of a stretch. Well, I, I, I almost half expected there to be nothing at all. Just the building sucks. (laughs) And wouldn't that have been a great twist? Everybody's miserable because the building sucks and that's kind of it. And everybody's just going crazy because the building doesn't work. I think you want, think you want Kolchak to be a slightly better show than even Kolchak Well, uh, th- that would have been far too sophisticated for something like Kolchak. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yes, it's, it's an invisible bear. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> so the next episode is one that 
there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff I like, and there's a lot of stuff I think sucks. But uh, it's called Horror in the Heights, mm-hmm. and this one, a demon is killing elderly people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Jewish people, in fact, their swastikas painted mm. all over the alleyways. And they think there's some, like, Kolchak at first thinks there's some kind of... anti-Semite running around. Yeah, like some kind of supernatural Nazi monster is, mm. like, killing people. And um, But in, if Phil Silvers even has a cameo in this one, and he's actually really good in it. but Because well, he's Phil Silvers, he's good in everything. Um but uh, it turns out that the swastikas, and of course, if you if you know the history of the swastika, the Nazis didn't invent that. They basically stole it. It was, from, it was a Hindu protection symbol. Yeah, it was a positive thing for mm-hmm. many, 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 many years, and then the, the Nazis just appropriated it and made it shit. They they, uh, they, they inverted they, it though, didn't they, they? They they inverted it and like turned it forty five degrees, so it's like on right. a point rather than just a square. Yeah, but most people like it, most people can't tell the difference at a glance. They're mm-hmm. just not thinking about it and so everyone thinks it's it's anti-semites in the neighborhood in fact it's actually a a hindu person who's trying to stop this demon who's followed him mm-hmm. uh, across the world and the it's, demon takes the form of the person you trust the most well what i loved is actually the the demon is a rakshasa and uh, mm. i actually know a little bit about rakshasas and i was really pleased to see that uh, just outside of the weird Hindu texts that I've kind of glanced over in my yeah. days. No, it's, it's, every once in a while, they'll like whip out a fun monster, and this mm. is certainly an interesting one. What yeah, I liked most about a, this episode... Ancient, ancient shape-shifting trickster god. What I like most about this episode is there's so many episodes of Kolchak the Night Stalker where there's nothing even remotely resembling character development. And, mm. and oftentimes in like these... like episodic adventure horror shows if the protagonists aren't allowed to change then the supporting characters do and they come like we've come into the life of this person who's being attacked by a monster and over the course of the episode they change so Mm -hmm. it feels like the story has an organic meaningful conclusion even though Mulder and Scully or the Winchester brothers or whoever you're following doesn't they themselves don't change right this one we don't necessarily see someone change but we do learn something meaningful about them because the whole thing is Kolchak is told over the course of the episode that the Rakshasa mm. will take the form of the person you trust. He's a journalist. He doesn't trust anybody. <laughs> but over the course of the episode, the one of the recurring characters is Miss Emily, and she's sticking up for all of these elderly people in the neighborhood. And you just... Kolchak seems to like her a bit. So when the Rakshasa finally shows himself to him, it's Miss Emily. Mm. And you realize he actually has like a more meaningful relationship with this person than we've been allowed to see because it's never part of the plot. Like He actually yeah. just really respects and likes her. Well, and, and I... I- by that because I do too. There, there's he has a really antagonistic antagonistic relationship with Tony Vincenzo of course who hates him and they kind of hate each other they respect each other but they really hate each they, other they know that they need each other yeah but they also hate each uh, other you know? he he just openly loathes Updike and this woman is just sort of this kind. I don't want to call her oblivious, but she's just sort of outside of all of that antagonism. She's mm-hmm. just sort of going to go in. I'm going to she's, do my job and she's, interact. She's the, the one friendly one who just gets along with everybody. She's 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 so not I'd trying to get ahead that, in the business. Yeah. She's she's not in it for herself. She's not in it for the byline. She's in it because she likes the job. That's it. So I buy that she would be the one that he trusts. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot actually, and it's really kind of heartbreaking because what's weird about it is that all the other people who are visited by the Rakshasa over the course of the episode, the Rakshasa never speaks. Mm. But when 
Kolchak sees the Rakshasa, it speaks. So I thought that was actually Miss Emily. And so when he pulls out a crossbow and stabs and kills her, I was like, oh God, what if he's wrong? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's the Rakshasa. And I was like, oh, thank Christ. Like, I actually really got involved because they, like, thought that out a bit and, like, did something that was, like, made me think maybe that was really Miss Emily. Because if she didn't speak, I would know it wasn't her because why wouldn't she? The next episode, he's like hiding her body and has to start covering for her. The next episode is Mr. Ring, and Ring is an acronym, and I didn't Mm. catch what the acronym was for because I didn't care. Robot inside, no... No guys. Um, I, I love seventies robots because they're always full of like blinking Christmas lights. Like we always assumed that was <laughs> well, that was the really important part of the robot was that it would have blinking Christmas lights under its face. Yeah, yeah. You peel it back and it, yeah, it looks like a, this weird gears and wires that don't do anything. And, like, um, all these sci-fi stories had these blinking lights in them, as if like the computer technicians know like the blinking light codes. Like all oh, these yeah, lights are blinking. Right. Like, I recognize that sequence of lights. It means that we're out of toilet paper. Like well, something. We we don't necessarily know. Like I'm not sure if you have a router or a, like a, your Wi-Fi router. Yeah. Somewhere in your home where you can see the blinking lights on it. But uh, if if you're if you've lived with one of those things, you know what the blinking some of the blinking lights start to mean after a while. True. But when you have dozens, yeah. you start wondering if maybe there was an easier way to convey this information. I, I suppose so, but. <laughs> A robotic engineer would only be thinking of their own code. It's going to be covered by the robot's face. Well, not in this one. In fact, I love the design of the robot because it has no face and it's creepy. Yeah, so this robot is uh, trying to defend itself. Mm. They've made it too smart. It's artificially intelligent. But it's not evil. It's just scared. Mm. And so over the course of the episode, Kolchak tracks down this robot. A lot of Kolchak episodes have one episode where a, a very conventional, like, police stop or mm. like a roadblock or something goes horribly bad because the villain has superhuman strength or can teleport or something weird. Um, so that happens here. <laughs> what I really, really like is the episode as the, the scene in this episode where Kolchak meets the robot. There's like a, another mm. scientist who's like, I want to introduce you to this robot. I'm proved to you. It's intelligent and in that it's capable mm. of thinking for itself. And she's like, well, just ask it anything. And Kolchak says, what time is it? Mm. (laughs) The robot says, (laughs) I'm going to paraphrase, I'm the most sophisticated piece of technology on the planet, and you're asking me what time it is? Also, I don't have a watch. (laughs) Ask me something else. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I love that. Also, I don't even have a watch. And and I love that Kolchak does what we would all do. It's like, here's an artificial intelligence. You know, what questions do you ask it? And... The temptation is to immediately get super philosophical. Yeah. It's like, Some okay. complex issue. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, um, what is the meaning of life? It's like, oh, come on, man. You don't know the answer to that either. Well, what he ends up asking is, like, who is the father of mm. modern psychology? And the robot says, well, most people would say Sigmund Freud. But if you actually do the reading. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the robot has an attitude. Like, has a shitty mm. attitude. And I kind of like that. Well, they do explain that he's kind of an adolescent. So, yeah, mm. it's that sort of asshole 14 year old about him but yeah this is a pretty good episode because I like it because it has like the action it has some cool visuals and well, ultimately it's another one where you get to interact with the monster and really get to talk with the monster and and uh, in that sort of science fictiony sort of way it becomes kind of speculative and it does become philosophical very briefly yeah more, than, ju- more than just driving a stake through the robot's heart I, I, I almost like the episodes where it's sci-fi better than I like the ones with their monsters because I feel like mm-hmm. with the sci-fi they're eager to interact and talk with the monsters 
monsters, they're eager to brush it aside and say it has yeah, happened in yeah. this corner of an alleyway in the middle of the night. And, and the scientist at the end of the episode absconds with the robot, so oh, it's still yeah. out there. Like, they didn't destroy it this time. I smell a spinoff. <laughs> the next episode is called Primal Scream. Um, and this one... Oh, God, I lost the thread of this one. So, But, you know, I have, I have to admit, I watched this one late at night. I was in my bed. Okay. And I, I fell asleep, like, through little chunks of it. Yeah. So I don't have a, a very <laughs> colorful recollection I, of this I episode. Really, okay, so this one, I'm worried I might have, like, fused this one in my head with something else. But basically, there's deep core drilling. You you drill deep into the earth, you mm. pull out a piece of it, and based on that, you decide if you're going to drill more extensively for oil. That's the basic idea. But they drill mm. into the earth, and they yeah, pull they out these microbes. Out an yeah. And the, but they, yeah, first thing, it seems like they yanked out these microbes, or this deadly virus but actually they just pulled out the missing link mm. and there's this ape man who's wandering around killing everybody which is um you know not what you want to happen <laughs> that's your commentary on this episode I, I, this episode you, you is another one where it's unnecessarily want, confusing for how simple it is you don't want a killer ape man murdering people you just most people not, would say that's not of, the ideal yeah thing. It's like a you, real, really bad way to spend your birthday. What do you What do you want to do for your birthday? You want to like go to your favorite restaurant, go to the zoo, something fun, you know? Like, uh, can we uh, extract a cave person from the center of the earth and set them on a killing spree and let Darren McGavin investigate? And I would say, yes. Why do cavemen always have to go on killing sprees? Surely they're they ge- gentle cave people. Well, yeah, but like. And they're off hours. Did, did you ever read that book? <laughs> this is their day job, yeah. is killing people. Did you ever read that story, The Ugly Little Boy, Isaac Asimov, and somebody else? Robert Silverberg wrote it together. I don't think I read that one. It's a, it takes place in the future. They have uh, perfected a machine that can essentially reach back in time and snatch things up. Hmm. And... They have previously snatched up a dinosaur, but it was a PR nightmare because it was a cute little dinosaur. Oh, that's funny. And so they'd say, well, next we're going to do like a, a proto-human and they capture a proto-human, a little, a young little boy. And it becomes more about sort of the relationship the boy has with his caretaker. Interesting. And how sort of he has to get used to thinking like a modern person, even though he's not capable of that. Okay. And he's a PR nightmare just because he's kind of cute and that's not a dramatic story. Okay. So the next episode book. Sounds good. I'll have to check that out. Uh, the next episode is okay, so there's two kinds of bad Kolchak episodes. Mm. There's oh God, bad this. because it's boring. Uh-huh. And bad because it's a it's bad idea. Stupid and terrible <laughs> and backward and annoying. Mm. So this is an episode that is about witches in the fashion industry. Now, I know what you're thinking. Neat. And you know what? Yeah. I can totally picture someone doing something with that. Mm. Like, you know, sort of like a death becomes her kind of vibe. Like, you could totally do something really, really fun with that. But instead, we get this episode in which uh, Kolchak investigates an actual coven of witches. And sometimes it seems like they do research. Other times it's this episode. Because in this episode, (laughs) the rules of how witches work Mm. are offensively stupid. Like... You, how do you how do you gain power over a witch? Well, you have to accuse her of being a witch. Mm. What? Yeah, all so, those witch oh, so, trials. All those witch trials. Weird. Once they accused them of being a witch, then they couldn't be witches anymore, and that's how we knew they were witches. What? Oh, so we were. So it's okay to just drown all of those teenage girls in Salem. We, well, we were right, we were right to do that. Yeah, it says there have been stories, movies, TV shows that were about. 
Um, okay, well, what if witchcraft really was real at the time? Mm. You look at something where it's kind of enigmatic about it, like the witch. Something that's kind of silly about it, like Hocus Pocus. Mm. Um, and then something that's really gauche about it, like Hansel and Gretel witch hunters. <laughs> Those all like have like positive qualities, but like at the same time, it's really hard not to look at them now and just say like, here is this like trying to horrific, excuse this horrific, horrific horrendous crimes that were going horrific on, horrific persecution, and we're just gonna say like maybe they were right. Mm. It's really gross. So like once you, I, I think, like, once I think you bring it, in that element, yeah, once you bring in the enough you, centuries have passed that people have been able to to sort of toy with the narrative. But yeah, it's it's frustrating that they brought that part into it. Mm. I'm okay with doing a story about look. Some people have magic powers. Some people are good with it. Some people suck. Okay, that would be enough. And there are even like some characters where it seems like yeah, okay, well, but I'm a good witch. Mm. And like this person's given us a bad name, but it turns out they're all bad witches. <laughs> Over the course of the episode, we find out they're all pretty terrible. They're all in cahoots. I thought maybe some of them would be like debunked, like the guy who says, "Yeah, well, if you accuse a witch," mm. like, and there would be like, like Jeremy Gavin was talking with like one of the women in the audience. She was talking about that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. They're all in it together, and all the rules are true. It's really annoying. Like it ends with Jeremy Gavin like running from the witch like out into public, and they're just saying, "I accuse you of being a witch," and she's like, "No, no." My one weakness! <laughs> it's really bad. It's not boring, but it's really it's, it's, bad. It's, it's Because it takes place in the world of high fashion, it, it's campy as campy like crazy. Like I can, yeah, Just I can all camp. I can see a camp yeah, version of that, like kind of working, but like once the, the rules that they completely invent uh-huh. are just they're just terrible. Yeah. It's I feel like there's yeah, some people we, we who got, confuse got, incompetent with bad. Yeah. Incompetent can be harmless. Bad can be well made. Um, yeah. It is possible to be bad and and like it's shot well and acted okay. Mm. Like you just you fucked up. <laughs> that episode's really really bad. Um, and we got like a dozen more of these. No, so we just, got we got six left. We got six right. left. We're doing okay. The next episode is called Chopper. Mm. In this episode, uh, there's a headless horseman motorcyclist killing like the gang members who decapitated him with a sword, which is a great premise. Mm. Merely an okay um, episode. But you know who came up with the story for this episode? Did you notice the credit? No, I missed it. Robert Zemeckis. Oh! Robert, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. That's uh, yeah. fun. This is one of their one of their earlier jobs. That's really cool. I did yeah. not know that. That's I didn't mm. notice. That's really really okay. fun. Uh, the, the person who really took caught my eye in this one mm. is Jim Backus. Now Jim yeah. Backus is best known for playing and, the dad in Rebel Without a Cause and the professor in Gilligan's Island and of course he, playing he Mr. Was, Magoo. He was Mr. Howell on Gilligan's Island. I assume Mr. Howell was also a professor. <laughs> you think it would have come up? <laughs> yeah, this, his, his college was debunked. He had his <laughs> Some, it was all scams. Some some correspondence. It was school. an honorary yeah. professorship from some college he bought. But uh, <laughs> apologies. Yeah, you're right. He was Mr. Mr. Howell. Uh, it's late. What? Mm. It's two o four in the morning. Anyway. Uh, but Jim Maggie shows up, and like and like every Kolchak episode is like any other investigative reporter show or cop show. 
he has to interview random people with random expertises. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes to a guy who uh, owns like a classic car shop or yeah. a classic motorcycle shop. And he's ostensibly he's saying he's looking to buy a motorcycle, but actually he's looking to like, can you Get look at the on a motorcycle? Yeah, can, I, here's the motorcycle. It's a very unusual motorcycle no, that, the, that, the, that, the, that the ghost was driving. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me more about it? And Jim Backus has a really great bit. Where he talks about why he knows so much about Japanese motorcycles is because mm. he was shot down over Japan and like <laughs> had some really bad experiences, and he was just like, "Yeah, the same company that made, you know, the the planes that shot me down made this motorcycle." And there's this really bitterness, like this dark story, but there's also he loves automobiles. And he was like. Damn good machines. Oh. <laughs> it's a really good. You can tell, to, like, boy, to, quote Doctor, is, to quote Doctor Strange Love again, but they make such bloody great cameras. Yeah, like, yeah. he's. It's a good. He brings so much to, like, such a little part. He's like Charlton Heston in Wayne's World 2. Like, he just. You give like, some <laughs> guy who doesn't. actor know, in this role? Yeah, you, you give some guy who doesn't know how to act a small role in a show, and you just kind of move on. Mm hmm. But you give a good actor that same part, and it really becomes a great scene, and he does it. It's a really good yeah. bit. Jim Backus could act. He didn't. He's a very good actor. Yeah, he didn't get serious roles for it. He's so tragic in Rebel Without a Cause. Mm. He's great in Rebel the, Without a Cause. As the dad who just doesn't quite get it. Well, he's browbeaten. Yeah. Like he's he's like in a he's in a in an abusive relationship. Like it hurts him. Like I feel really bad for that dad. Um so yeah, the uh, Kolchak has to return the skull to the headless, headless, headless horse, headless, headless motorcycle. Rider, yeah. It would be so cool if they somehow found a way to like ride that motorcycle without it obviously being a guy, a guy with shoulders over his head. Yeah, yeah, like that's way too tall. Like I know you, you can't not show it. You have to show it. You can't hide that in the yeah, background yeah. or like off camera. You have to show the whole guy, and it looks absurd. Could it's just such put, a like, cool idea. Though. Put a black stocking over an actor's head and just shoot him against a black background. You or probably something. could have gotten away with it. They did not. Yeah. Uh, put a little. Put a little like you know animated magic over his head in those shots would have been fine the next episode is called demon and lace (sighs) so in this one a demon lady demon is taking over the bodies of deceased ladies so so she can have sex with handsome dudes yeah the horny horny demon ass Hooray, female sexuality. Next episode. <laughs> next episode. I've no, it made no impression on me whatsoever. Uh, the next episode, Legacy of Terror. And in this episode, uh, people are having their hearts cut out because mm. someone's trying to do an Aztec ritual. And This is the one with Eric Estrada. Yay! I actually almost didn't recognize him because he's really young and handsome in this. Like, like he was fine in chips, but he's like... He's handsome today, dude. You know what I mean? Like, he's got this really hmm. just, like... Damn! Like you know, he, he, just, he, he is—he's is a little sex bomb in this he's one. Yeah, very he's, attractive. Uh, he's he's like, shirtless a lot, and and he's uh, surrounded by a trio of hot ladies, and he's always going these going around with these hot ladies. And the big twist is he's involved with the the Aztec sacrifice, mm. not because he's doing it. He's uh, actually the last person to be sacrificed. Yes, but in exchange, and he's made a deal with the Az, Aztec yeah. gods. 
uh, of like I think it was just one year of yep. of wealth and sexiness. Yeah, one year of like the ideal life and mm. and just wealth, fame, sex, everything he could possibly want. And, give and, it to him, and he knew what was going on. So when Kolchak finally confronts him, and, like he's like shirtless, wearing like a headdress on an altar. And uh, like, Eric Estrada, not Eric Estrada yeah, is like it's like oh you can, you can back out of this. It's like no, I got what I wanted out of this deal, yeah. and I'm gonna give I, it up. What am I gonna do? Go back to working at a supermarket this way? My mom is taking mm. care of. I had the best year. You have never had a year like I had. Most people <laughs> never will. Like, I'm yeah. good. I made this conscious decision. He says, you you never had a year like I had. I think Kolchak says, well, I, I, not one year was okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking back on his own life. Um, and like, so like they bring Kolchak and he can't, they can't kill Kolchak while Eric Estrada is alive because Eric Estrada won't let them. Mm. As soon as he's dead, all bets are off. So they keep Kolchak with him in the midst of like the sacrifice. And just before the sacrifice, Kolchak just says, what if you don't have to work at a supermarket? And Eric Estrada's like, never thought of that before. I want out! <laughs> and he panics and runs, and the sacrifice doesn't go. Mm. Uh, and Kolchak has to fight a mummy in a coliseum or something. Um, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, it's another one where we're reducing an entire culture to one ugly thing about it. Um, the next episode... Uh, if there's one thing we know about Aztecs, it's hearts. So the next episode <laughs> is called... The Nightly Murders. The Nightly Murders. This is one with a haunted suit of medieval armor. And it's so... What I love is that the the suit of armor is so heavy. That's something that's never really addressed about suits of armor. People just sort of throw them on and walk around. Something that always that's bugged me a little bit about um, superhero movies. They're just sort of in their costume. Yeah. It's like... Remember which one uh, was... um, uh, Civil War... It's like the side gathers and they're like in a parking structure and they're all just in their street clothes. It's like, okay, we got to go down there and we got to fight these guys. And they show up and they're in their costumes. Okay, comic book logic. They just yeah, have their costumes. I don't care. Yeah, it's fine. Wouldn't there be a great scene of them just sort of like trying to get into their costumes in a parking structure? Like yeah, in this like, like the most awkward place? Like it's taking like, turns in the van for modesty? Like, oh shit, that, that's my jumper. Oh, I... I it fits me. Can I wear the Captain America jumper? No. no you're you have the to Falcon. Wear, you have to wear the Ant-Man jumper. It's like... <laughs> That would be like, an amazing but, scene. Yeah, like, that would be an amazing like, scene. It's too too easy for for Iron Man well, to get in and, and out would, of that suit of armor. Would, it would undercut all the dramatic tension you're trying to build in that bit, but it'd be really funny. It would be, it'd be hilarious. It would be really funny. The the, pro, the practical elements, and so yeah, they, yeah, we have a suit of armor. Those things took hours and hours to get on. You couldn't get on and off a horse on one of those things. You had nope. to be lifted up on this complicated pulley system. It's you got to wonder why they fucking buy. It's ridiculous. Maybe you can't, maybe you can't war fight isn't in those things. It. You ever wonder? I mean, is it really worth war, it? War. I mean, wow. War, man. Wow. War. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of really fun. Okay, so this episode, there's a haunted suit of armor, and then they stop it. It's kind of a pointless mm. plot. The the image is fun. The mm. plot is lame. There's a couple of really fun actors in it, though. First off, we have Hans Conried. Yes, the voice of Captain Hook, who is of course mm. also in. The Drac. The Drac But he's a great voice actor. It's kind of fun to see him on camera. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. Uh, we he plays, also... a, plays a devious butler who's not uh, not on the up and up. Yep. Uh, we also have an actor uh, who... He's one of those actors who I recognize, but I can never like, pinpoint the exact thing I know him from. Mm-hmm. But it's John Denner. John Denner. Denner. He plays the other... Fun- okay, so like, there's a series of detectives that Kolchak has to interact with over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keenan Wynn shows up in multiple episodes. The show is John Denner. And he plays a highly respected oh, veteran detective. Okay, he's the honest cop. He's yeah. the honest cop. He He's willing to like listen to Kolchak. 
but he's very philosophical. And Kolchak is actually in the in like the first episode they have together. I think it's this one because mm. again they blur a little bit. But uh, he's Kolchak is a little bit in awe of this guy. He is a legend. He is honorable. Mm-hmm. He is intelligent. Kolchak respects him. So when he gets an interview with the guy, he's very frustrated to find that he's like always like looking off to the side and pondering existential crises instead of just telling him like how many bullet holes are in the body. <laughs> like, you know, I remember when I was a young lad, first starting out in this... A number of bullet holes, please. 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 <laughs> so it's a really, really great, fun character. I, 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 I would have liked I'd to have seen more character. of him. Oh, and another supporting character I really like, we haven't mentioned yet, was uh, was the pathologist. Played oh, yeah. by uh, John Field, Fiedler, Fielder, um, mm. who uh, probably most famous is the voice of Piglet from the, uh, the Winnie the Pooh cartoons. You're right, that was him. That was him. Yeah, he plays yeah. Gordy the Ghoul. G- <laughs> and he's the one who wants to tell uh, Kolchak about all of sort of the interesting things about corpses. But he also wants to be paid for it. And there's a fun episode later on where um, he's like, well, I'd like to tell you, but um, you said you'd pay me for the last bit of information. And I never got it. And he's just like, Kolchak's like, well, you're going to deny me for that? No, but I'll tell you for a color television. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He he tries to get him to expense things so he can keep them in the in the the pathologist's office because he gets bored. Like, I, want, I want to put it right up there and just get. <laughs> I can't just. I could cut up a corpse and watch TV at the same time. It would be great. All right. So the next episode, um, we're almost done. We're two more left. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the youth killer. Uh, which, this is the Helen of Troy episode, <laughs> which is weird because it stars Kathy Lee Crosby who from was Wonder That's Woman. Incredible, and from Wonder Woman. No, from That's Incredible. She was in one of the failed pilots from Wonder Woman that we reviewed last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was the blonde Wonder Woman. Kathy Crosby was an Olympian. She mm. was a blonde Wonder Woman who was adapted from the series of comics when Wonder Woman didn't have powers and was working undercover at the CIA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a James Bond type. Yeah, they, it was a mass, massive shift in the comic, and it's really odd to watch an adaptation of it because it really didn't last that long. Well, and, and, and now we're so used to whatever's going on right well, now. Well, just this, the, yeah. that's the iconic original version, more or less. So, okay. like, this was this weird changing it to be hip for the times. And <laughs> it didn't quite work, mm-hmm. but... Um, so, Kathleen Crosby plays Helen of Troy, and it's another one where I'm immortal and I'm still in people's youth, motherfuckers. Hmm. I do like the bits in this one, though. There's a really great bit in this one where she's trying to steal people who are in perfect health to yeah. sacrifice in order to stay young forever. Hmm. Um, and I was unclear as to what she was doing. Like, like just, just sucking out their energy through well, their eyeballs or just, something. You and... see them age over the course. Like, there's a guy, he's jogging, and then he gets older and he mm. has a heart attack and dies. There's a fun bit where a woman's, like, doing exercises on her balcony. And the way she's doing exercises is, she's bending over, like, touching her toes or doing stretches or whatever. So she bends out of frame. Mm. She pops back up again, and her hair's a little gray. She bends again. <laughs> and, like, over the course of that, it's just, it's just old-fashioned mm. trick editing, but it's an effective thing. It, yeah, it's yeah, kind of creepy. And then she just turns around like, oh, God, that really took it out of me. And she sees her reflection in the mirror and she's terrified. It just falls off her balcony to her death. <laughs> it's actually a well-done, scary moment. But then ultimately it's about Helen of Troy sacrificing. And then Kolchak manages to... <laughs> okay, so it turns out that one of the people she sacrificed to the gods had one eye. He had a glass mm. eye, and she'd missed that bit. And Kolchak tells the Greek gods, and they're just like, oh, shit, well, 
fuck that. And so they turn <laughs> Helen of Troy into a statue, and that's the end of the episode. It, it's just sort of loopholes. Like, like, do you think the, if the Greek gods were that much of a stickler, they would have noticed beforehand? Yeah. Like, uh, no, that one didn't count. Sorry. Mm. Missing an eye. Kind yeah. of important. Oh, oh yes, and uh, what do you think I am, Odin? Four hundred and fifty years ago, you sent us a guy who was missing a pinky. Uh, we're, now mm. we're seeing a peg leg. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've been looking over. You're, you're slacking off a little bit. Helen of Troy, <laughs> Helen of Troy's victims are audited. <laughs> Be hilarious. <laughs> All right, the last episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker is the stupidest. It's because the really monster bad. is horrible. The monster. Okay, so you know, like, okay, so most of the episodes of Kolchak, the monster is. Fine. Like, mm. not remarkable, occasionally kind of dumb. But they had a TV budget. They could yeah. only work with so much. Uh, the, the sets weren't all that elaborate. The, mo- the special effects but, were not existent. But they knew to keep it relatively grounded. You either mm. keep it off camera or you make it something you can do. Yeah. Like, a like vampire. That, like that robot. Or, yeah. or like a headless guy. Like, mm. okay, well, it's not a great visual effect, but we can get away with it. Here, there's an underground lizard monster, mm. and it looks stupid you remember the the uh the the detail and the articulation of the gorn costume in star trek yeah you remember how it was like the most impressive mm. costume you've ever seen in anything yeah. ever imagine a high school student <laughs> trying to recreate that if you don't know what we're talking yeah. about the gorn is not an impressive costume. no it's not <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad I do like uh, when they uh, remastered Star Trek because they had to they like, give it eyelids. <laughs> yeah, so like when they remastered Star Trek, they had to actually because the original like visual effects elements were, were degraded. Degrading. Were degraded so bad they couldn't fix them, so they just had to do them again. And they did everything they could, and it looks pretty good to recreate them in visual effects so that they looked like bad visual effects from the sixties. <laughs> but they added a few little weird bits, and one of them was they gave the Gorn, which is this cardboard head, like <laughs> it's <laughs> cardboard. It looks they, bad. They, they sculpted it, but it, it's not it's articulated. It's, yeah, it doesn't it's, doesn't move. It's not an impressive mask. Like you would, it would not be an expensive mask at like spirit Halloween stores. <laughs> and they gave it like CGI eyelids, mm. and it's really jarring. Just like to it's see really, it blinking. Yeah, you're just like, no, you know, in, in I'm good. In Enterprise, mm. they brought back the Gorn uh, in CGI, and that was kind of impressive. I'm, I'm fine with them rebringing. Like, the Gorn is one of those ones where I'm like, I'm not married to how you made the Gorn look. The Gorn looks stupid. You can fix the Gorn. <laughs> I don't mind you fixing the Gorn. I think you went way overboard changing the Klingons again. Oh, that. Discovery, like, went. Or, or actually, just J.J. Abrams did this. They just went, just like. Why do they look like that now? Like, they look fine. JJ would change them, like, a lot, but not so much that you couldn't sort of squint and say, oh, all right. This, Maybe they're from another side of the planet. Yeah. Like, you know, like, there's... The, the new Klingons don't look... Different family tree. Anything like Klingons. So like, weird. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Which is probably how people felt but when in, they saw Star Trek The Motion Picture. Well, yeah, they, they kind of changed yeah. the Klingons. That, so they... But here's the thing. Okay, we're going to go off on a rant on Enterprise right now. Uh, <laughs> Whitney is going to go I'm off, gonna on go off on a rant because I couldn't get through Enterprise. There was a multi-part episode where they explained that whole Klingon thing. Yeah, I heard that. And how that there was this mad geneticist played by Brent Spiner who was genetically engineering uh, people to be stronger and better, you know, leading up to the whole Khan thing. And the Klingons were getting parts of that and they were being mixed with the superior human DNA, which made them look more human. But those genes would have to be slowly bred out of them. So over the course of generations, they started to look like real Klingons again, which is why over the course of the original series, which took place after enterprise, 
they still looked a lot like humans some of the time. I'm offended that the mm. human genes are supposedly better because Klingons are tough. They're badass. They're well, they're they're, ba- they, they're badass. They but these, longer, these were like well, these were like superhuman, whatever, like souped up genes. Anyway, yeah. um, we got off on a rant. The last it was epi- explained. Damn it, nobody ever talks about the that. Epi- well, <laughs> fair. They didn't explain it for a really long time. Yeah. They didn't explain it for decades. Uh, anyway, the last episode was in Night Stalker. Uh, there's an underground like storage facility. Where it's like su- super deep underground. You have to yeah, take like, a, like a, an elevator all feet. the way down. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and they're using it to store like you know this huge libraries of information, top secret information. But damn it, there's a reptile monster, mm. and it. It's like, imagine the worst Doctor Who villain you've ever seen <laughs> from any era. <laughs> it looks as bad or worse. Mm. Like, it's just really a bad note to go out on. Mm. Um, I did like uh, the character they introduced in this one, because they introduced another cop, who I suppose would have been semi-recurring, uh, Lieutenant Irene Lamont. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, And she's yeah. just got a fun energy to her, because, like, she's... You can tell that she is using what people expect of femininity mm. to get ahead by putting one over on ignorant jerks. Yeah, yeah. And I really thought she, she captured she's ex- that really exploiting well. Exploiting misogyny to to advance. Yeah, but but not but not in a way that makes her seem gross. Oh no, it's she's just, she's not conniving at all. She's yeah. taking advantage of the other people's ignorance. Yeah. So I and she has a really great rapport with Darren McGavin. Mm-hmm. Um this is actually one of her like last roles she didn't have like the longest career ever even though she was had she had 90 credits uh, um but well, actually, no actually i, I stand corrected mm. she'd been around since the 50s but yeah yeah she's just she's just a really fun presence i would love to see her more mm. we didn't get enough of her that's that, and that all and, there is to it and that was it for kolchak and that was it for kolchak kolchak the night stalker allegedly ended not because the ratings were bad although they had <laughs> They weren't great. Mm. They started okay, and they just dipped. Um, they, they didn't live up to the promise of the TV movies. Allegedly, Darren McGavin asked them to end the show. Darren McGavin had was really involved in Kolchak the Night Stalker by all accounts. He mm. not only starred in it, he did a lot unofficially a lot of the producing duties. He was really hands-on in like the writer's room. He really cared about the character and the show, and he just felt like it, you know, it was wasn't going the way it was kind of petering down. He couldn't mm. really and he didn't want to like keep doing all this work if he wasn't getting paid producer salary. And he was just mm. like, Can you can you just let it go? And the ratings weren't so spectacular that the network was gonna, gonna deny him. Yeah, the ratings aren't great. Yeah, we probably would have kept it, but whatever. It's fine. Mm. Um, so, so, so it really was canceled too soon. Arguably it was canceled yeah. too soon. Um, but at least, at least you know, people involved seem to have thought so. Um, a lot of people love it. This is one that's kind of a kind of for us. Because, again, we're one season or less. This lived on. There were some other stories. But the, the well, show I mean, there, was there where were, it was There at. was no other TV follow-up. And, you know, we, it was based on two TV movies, so this is a kind of. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's such a popular... I, mean, I, don't, I don't mind that it's based on TV movies. I don't think that's mm-hmm. fine. I think it has the proper season, as long as it doesn't continue from there. Yeah. And it, Col- Kolchak didn't mm-hmm. appear... Darren McGavin, at least, as Kolchak, didn't appear in anything else after this. So. Yeah. Uh, there was, a, again, there was a remake series in 2005... Uh, which also lasted only one season. Uh, Frank Spotnitz, who worked on the X-Files, was behind that. Um, and we'll get to that at some point down the road. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was also, and this is a little confusing, 
Uh, there were some TV, other TV movies, but they were just combinations of episodes. They would well, just take two episodes, put them back to back. They, they did this a lot for international distribution uh, theatrically. Uh, we, we talk about this uh, in the past, how certain TV shows would pair up uh, an episode or maybe to have a two-part episode, recut it slightly and release it theatrically overseas. Mm. So there's some debate as to whether or not they count as movies or TV shows. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they just sort of repackaged them. But yeah. Um, when but, the VHS market started, I know I remember a lot of these sort of resurfaced as movies. But yeah, technically our rule is if they continued in any meaningful way. Mm. They didn't last only one season, but we're going to make exception to this because it's such a big show. People love it. Um, and yeah, there was a comic book series or some shorts. Uh, some uh, some of those comics apparently were adapted from unfilmed scripts for the TV series, including one that was called The Get of Belial <laughs> and another called Eve of Terror, which I hope is a Christmas story. <laughs> um, and there was actually like some short fiction uh, mm. uh, as well. But um, yeah, this this is the Kolchak. This is the Kolchak that people mm. know and love. Um, if it had lasted a hundred episodes, it easily could have. You take any monster and put it in the formula, yeah. and it's the same episode. It and, might and, and be it, good, it might be bad, but it's the same episode. Since we settled on the formula so early, yeah, you could just keep on hammering away at that formula and be fine. You could get yeah. away with that for you, nine, ten seasons. You might get bored, but oh like, yeah, I'll bet, you I, know. like you're just like, oh god, how many? I, I interviewed the producers of the Step Up movies once, mm-hmm. and this is like the fourth movie or something like that. And I was like, how long do you think the series can go? And they were like, I don't know how many more like stories we can come up with where dancing saves the world. Like, I do, <laughs> like We can do a few more, but I don't know if we're going to get 50 out of this. Like, and that's how I feel about like Kolchak. Like, I imagine in the writers, you're going to need some turnover in that writer's room. Because after like two seasons of writing for Kolchak, you're just like, I feel like I've written my Kolchak stories. <laughs> I don't I think I'm no going to be pushed anymore mm. as a writer. I think it's time to move on. Mm. People talk about that. People get like upset when people like leave franchises. Like, mm. oh god, how could you quit being James Bond? What if I don't like being James Bond? Well, yeah. You might not like it. There might be elements of it that that suck. There might also just be. I think I've said what I needed to say with it, mm. and I need to do other things with my life. Yeah. You can't like this is. I was um, recently dethroned at the movie trivia showdown. I was the singles champion. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm fine with that because I was champion. Uh-huh. And I, you can't take that away from me. I was that thing. <laughs> and I'm good now. Like, uh-huh. I, I feel like I'm sure all the Doctor Who's feel that way. David Tennant's like, oh, we loved you. Why did you ever leave? I did like five seasons. I'm, I'm good now. I'm good. I left my mark. I like, I like my shows. Like, well, you know. And, and here's the thing. I've, I've read some interviews with David Tennant. A, he said it was really weird seeing his face printed on a pair of underpants. Uh, it's like, <laughs> that's not something they prepare for, prepare you for an acting school. That's gotta be odd. And, and uh, also he's always been way more passionate about voice acting. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of voice acting in radio uh, in, he's, in England he's and Scotland. He's Scrooge McDuck so, yeah. on the new DuckTales. That's right. And he's honestly, he's a really good Scrooge McDuck. I, so like, I think he just wants to do more voice acting. He's, and he's doing other acting as well. But yeah, he's he's great. And um, a lot of people moved on to better things from uh, Colt. Well, maybe not better things, but, you know, comparable things mm-hmm. from Colchak the Night Stalker. Um, the show is available on home video. They recently released the two TV movies on Blu-ray, I think from Kino Lorber. Mm. I didn't get a chance to watch those editions. I bet they're sweet. I bet they're really <laughs> well put together. They do a good job mm. over there. Um, but yeah, 100 episodes, just pick and choose a monster. 
Mm. It's, a, it's done. It's um, the same thing. So, so you're saying it, it was canceled too soon? I honestly am torn because well, I, I feel I, like I feel, got the gist of it, and I'm I not also, sure what more episodes would have added. I also feel like uh, I feel like about this the way same way I feel about like Police Squad. It's like Police Squad was brilliant. I love Police yeah. Squad, but I don't want more of it because that would make it less special somehow. Yeah, like I've, having just those few makes it this wonderful cult oddity, and you're able to hang on to you're able to wrap your mind around what you got mm-hmm. rather than than living through that painful process of some good, some bad episodes or repeating too many jokes. Um, I feel at 20 episodes, we got a good, healthy meal we had a, of Kolchak the Night Stalker. had a real run. Plus, if you count the TV mm-hmm. movies, you yeah. had a real run. You had a real good run. Like you have two a, episodes and it's gone. It it's, it's, good not, it's not like there's like potential that was squandered here. You got everything you needed out of Kolchak the yeah, Night Stalker. I'm sure there were other great episodes that could have been told. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there, it, it might have gotten better. I think. I honestly think, honestly, the series, a couple of stupid episodes... You know, mm. notwithstanding, I think the writing actually got better as the series went on. The supporting it, characters got richer and more kinda, interesting. The, and, the one way you could have improved Kolchak is to give him a partner of some kind. Yeah. Like he had he had a few partners here and there, um, some characters that he trusted other than Vincenzo, who has to they have to maintain their antagonistic relationship. Yeah, he needs to be at the top. He <clears> has to be at the thing. Honestly, mm. why isn't he out there with Updike? Yeah, he, that would he be and Updike. Really, that would have been yeah. Kolchak yeah, and Updike the series. There at least fine. needs to be an episode mm. where Updike gets directly involved. Like there at least needs to be one full. And it can episode. be yeah another antagonistic relationship where they don't yeah. like each other but they work well. And yeah, that would have been just fine. And, and Kolchak needs to grudgingly come to understand that there's a reason Updike has this job. And, and he also, actually is and good also, at something. We don't see it. They would have that shared experience mm-hmm. of we both know this stuff is real. We're on the same page, and that's the reason why we stay together. It's like yeah. we're, we're e- going to be equally determined to figure this out um that that's the only way i think that you could have had kolchak survive in a dynamic sort of way i think you need that i think it would also really really help if you had Mm. because here's the thing i think i think kolchak started or at least codified this idea of the supernatural exists but there are cover-ups and Mm. you know noble people trying to expose the truth but you know for reasons that have to do with fate and conspiracy yeah. That never happens. The X-Files perfected that tone. And the yeah. X-Files, I think, is actually a really hit or miss show. The hits are amazing. The misses, there's a reason we don't talk about it. <laughs> it's like it's like all the episodes of Faulty Towers that suck. There's there's quite a few. <laughs> we talk about the ones that are great. There's, mm-hmm. there's several in like the second season that are not great. Mm-hmm. Like the X-Files was really, really hit or miss, but they had that tone because they knew, okay, here's here's what didn't work with Kolchak. One, he needed a partner. Mm-hmm. Two, the the people keeping him down, that can't just be annoying luck. Yeah. And well-intended people. Because eventually, if they see enough supernatural shit, I think it's one of the reasons why they kept changing detectives involved in the thing. Mm-hmm. If they see enough supernatural shit, they can't deny it anymore. It's just Scully had the same problem eventually, but he got at least five seasons out of it. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you keep the people keeping the truth out of their hands, make them the villains. Okay. Like a consistent villain. So, like, if there was, like... Not, maybe not a shadowy villain, like a, but, yeah. Like just the mayor. Just, yeah. The mayor of Chicago. Mm. He's, he keeps knowing the stuff is going on, but he's actively trying to shut down Kolchak. Mm. And Kolchak can't touch him for mm, whatever not, reason. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I, that's off the top of my head. Okay. I think you need someone who has 
a vested interest in just keeping people placated, keeping mm-hmm. the stuff out of the news, who has enough authority to be a pain in Kolchak's side, but who isn't so powerful that Kolchak can't eventually get some sort of victory. Yeah. So that's dissatisfying. Like you want Kolchak to succeed, but he can't ever prove the supernatural is real because otherwise it doesn't take place in the real world anymore. Yeah. This is the real world, but this is what Kolchak did this week. Mm. And Kolchak did something completely inexplicable. By the way, a lot of weird shit happens in Chicago. Like <laughs> well, one weird looked, thing happened in Seattle. One weird thing happened in San Francisco. No, one was, weird there thing. Was, ha- uh, there was an LA. I mean, he traveled around. It wasn't Not all just in Chicago. Mostly it's it Chicago. You're right. Mostly, but you know, Chicago was a they hot were, bed for evil. You just knew though, like if they can, if they had the budget to shoot on location somewhere else, they would have an episode in Hawaii well, or an episode in uh, who knows, you know, Prague, wherever he wants to go. I always like when there's an explanation for that. Like in mm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they came up with the idea of a Hellmouth. There's actually just mm. like a there's like certain places in the world that are basically like a direct line to hell. Oh, so which is why it was like Sunnydale or whatever. Yeah, it's Sunnydale called. is on right. is built in Hellmouth. So is Cleveland apparently. Like mm-hmm. just there's this place. It's that's like, that's why there are so many yeah, monsters yeah. right next door to, to ley Buffy lines. Whatever. Slayer. There's a reason why they're all here in this mm. random town. They would have to explain that after a while. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You have put enough monsters there. You start asking. A lot of shit happens in Sunnydale, of all places. First episode, boom, here's why. They thought it out. <laughs> Kolchak, kind of a coincidence. They hadn't figured out the, the full formula yet. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm kind of with you. I think Kolchak made its mark. Mm-hmm. I think it's ripe for a reboot. I do. Th- I would love to see them, someone try this again mm-hmm. and as a movie or, or mm-hmm. a miniseries or, or whatever. I think there's room to do more with Kolchak, <laughs> but this version of Kolchak, I think this is over. Who, who's a good, like, funny, sad sack who could play Kolchak? Melissa McCarthy. I was going to say John C. Riley, so I think we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they both actually John C. Riley be pretty damn good. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of people who who uh, operate in that milieu of mm. people who are good. And right, but often overlooked. Mm-hmm. And John C. Riley's played that quite a bit. I think Melissa McCarthy has played that quite a bit. I'm sure you can come up with others as yeah. well. Um, there, it all depends also on like how light you can want it. Like I can totally see Seth Rogen actually doing this well. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like yeah. it'd be a light. It would think it'd be a little somewhat lighter version, but I can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're, you can do a slightly darker version with a more. You know, who would have been great. Alas, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He could have played. He's, the, he's the, a little too intense, but maybe. Yeah. But he's also could be really, really funny. Like mm-hmm. he knew how to sell a joke. That's true. Um, and I think you could have gotten the serious mm-hmm. episodes and the funny episodes yeah. closer out. But I think if you do the Seth Rogen version, oh, you it's know, mostly going to be funny. I think Seth Rogen's too young, but you could get Woody Harrelson <laughs> to play Kolchak, and I, I think I he'd think, really I kill think, Kolchak. I think Woody Harrelson's older than you think he is. Well, I think he's a little on. I think he's a little older. But I'm saying Kolchak should be a little older. That's my point. No, I'm saying, okay, whatever. Yeah. He, I love Woody Harrelson. He'd be mm. a good Kolchak. <laughs> I, almost want Kolch- I almost want Woody Harrelson to play Tony. I want oh, to see yeah. him play the disapproving. Because there's something about it. Because you know, you know he's mm. like, it's Woody Harrelson. He's seen some shit. Yeah. Like, he's not coming at this because he's mm. shitty mental management. He's coming at this because mm. he's been Kolchak yeah. before. Who, who's like uh, like somebody who used to be a big Hollywood star and their star just isn't as big anymore? Oh. <sighs> Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> could probably play honestly, a pretty good Kolchak. Honestly, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good actor who's mm-hmm. just been trapped in so much crap. I've seen like some of like his straight to video action movies. He's good enough. He's fine. Yeah, he's, he's a good actor. He just he, he never stopped weird, being a good actor. His yeah. career took a turn. Yeah. You know, but yeah, there's there's no shortage of mm-hmm. people I think who could be really really good Kolchaks. There was talk I think for a while of like a movie version 
God, was Edgar Wright going to do it? Am I remembering that correctly? Oh, gee. No, don't give it to a comedy director. Well, Edgar Wright, I think, has a respect for the material, but he's mostly... Well, but he'd he'd have too much respect for the material. It'd be all homage and way too style. Like, it'd be about his obsession with the style of the thing rather than, you know, the actual premise. There was was talk that Edgar Wright was going to reboot Night Stalker Mm -hmm. with Johnny Depp in the lead role. This was like... Oh, that would have been insufferable. This was years and years and years ago. So so this is at least four or five years ago. Okay. So, like, Johnny Depp's star hadn't fallen the way it has both mm-hmm. on and off the screen <laughs> so um, at the time it didn't seem like the worst idea in the world but um, yeah I, I, I don't think well, it's again, the but go. Johnny Depp he too acting wise on his extracurricular is off, off the table for the moment uh, he he has unfortunately fallen into that sort of funny hat overacting oh, thing he fell into that like 15 yeah, years like, ago yeah, yeah. So it, like he always if it was did any, it, but any, he fell into it. If it was any time within yeah. the last fifteen years, it wouldn't have been any good. Yeah, I could see him do it in the nineties. Yeah, nineties had been perfect. Like he mm-hmm. was really good in the nineties. But yeah, but uh, anyway, someone wants to redo Kolchak, mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> do a new Kolchak. Do a it's new fine. Kolchak. It's a fine enough premise. I, I know it's it failed inspired before, but so much. Again. People, people yeah. know it. People know the title. I bet you could put it on like a service like Netflix or Hulu, and you'd get more eyes on it than you would on a network when it would disappear into mm. all the other procedural episodic content that they do. You know, it would seem like an event if Netflix yeah. brought back Kolchak. So bring back Kolchak. <laughs> do it. I like Kolchak. I like Kolchak fine. I just don't think that iteration needed to go on, especially if Darren McGavin wasn't feeling it anymore. Yeah. If, if he if, didn't if, want to do it the way he was gonna doing it. If he's going to sleepwalk through it, I don't want to see it. Yeah, if he, if he felt like he was getting screwed over and not getting paid mm-hmm. enough, yeah, let it go. Yeah. We're good. But um, it was a fun, it was nice to finally have that under our belt. To finally see every episode, well, everyone except for the one I kind of fell asleep through. (laughs) uh, You you didn't miss much. But, like, yeah, this is one of the bigger gaps Mm -hmm. on Cancel Too Soon. It's one of the shows people ask us about the most. I'm glad we got to to fill it in. And happy Uh, Halloween, everybody. Yeah, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Again, we're sorry this last episode was kind of late. We're going to try to get back on track because November is going to get even weirder. We actually had a pretty light. Scary Tober. Like last year's Scary Tober, we watched a lot of shit. Yeah. We watched a lot of really bad stuff. This one was like mostly well, okay. We did the Elvira monster. was great. Well, we did the Monster Squad. We did Drack Pack back to back. And oh, that, was, that, was that, was, that was really rough. But like, yeah, this year was pretty good. Elvira was good. Uh, uh, this was good, even though we think it was canceled when, when it needed to be canceled. Uh, the Dark Shadows reboot was really, it was, really yeah, good. It was pretty fine. Was, it was wasn't great, but it was fine. I think it worked. Mm-hmm. I think it got better as it went along, certainly. Um, and uh, yeah, next month we're gonna start some shit. So uh, <laughs> last year we did the Justice Month of Justice, where we talked about a whole bunch of DC comic book adaptations that tried to be turned into television series and failed. Mm. This year, for all of November, we're doing that for Marvel superheroes. Well, I, mostly superheroes. I think they're all superheroes. They're actually. also. I think they're all superheroes. There's a couple shows. that are like on the cusp, but like yeah. Uh, so it's. There's more failed Marvel TV than most people realize. And there and it, a lot of it is really, really bad. Oh yes. <laughs> and we're gonna start off because there's the we got we're gonna get to inhumans. You know we're gonna get to inhumans. We've already promised we're gonna get <laughs> we to We promised inhumans, so that's we, coming up in the month. We've also promised that we're gonna get to Blade the series, which mm. I've never seen. I've heard mixed things. Some people liked it, some people didn't. Mm. But to kick us off. We're going to stay we, in the 70s. We, we, we found one of the strangest damn things that Marvel has ever been associated with, and that's saying something. Yeah, and 
It's not. Because they did Howard the Duck, for God's they sake. They sure did. This is not unknown, but it is often disregarded mm-hmm. because people don't want to remember this one. <laughs> it's canon, damn it. Fred and Barney meet the thing. Now, it doesn't star Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble, but... It was part of a block of programming. This is what Hanna-Barbera did a lot of. They produced one show and then they incessantly repackaged it and repaired it with other things under other titles. So it's difficult to find out which shows were actually just one season shows because they kind of lived on in a weird way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the Flintstones and the thing from the Fantastic Four were put back to back. Now, just the thing... Not Freed Richards. It, it, it was it was a one hour show that was the Flintstones and the Thing, and it was called Fred and Barney Meet the Thing. We're yeah. just going to be doing the Thing portion because the other half was just the Flintstones. Yeah, and they were repackaged and they were put in next to other shows as well. It was its own completely separate entity, but the show was called Fred and Barney Meet the Thing. And we'll go into it in full detail in the next episode. But let me explain how this works. Fantastic Four was about a bunch of scientists who went up into space, got hit by cosmic rays, and were changed into weird into superheroes. Superheroes, yeah. The Thing was a big rock monster with a Brooklyn accent who smoked cigars and yelled its clobbering time while wearing a blue Speedo. It worked in the comic. Anyway, my point is... <laughs> Did it? Did it work in the comic? Yes. My point <laughs> the is... accept is natural. All this weird shit. In the animated series of The Thing, mm-hmm. rather than just have it be about this big, rocky, Brooklynite guy... Mm-hmm. It's about a teenager with magic rings, and when he puts the rings together and says, Thing ring, do your thing, he is turned into a rocky Brooklynite guy. The kid is not from Brooklyn. No. But the monster he turns into is. Although... I don't understand it. The monster talks like Jimmy Durante, and... (laughs) Inka dinka dinka clobberin' time. It's clobberin' time. Inka dinka do. Oh, God. And, uh... (laughs) Good night, Dr. Doom, wherever you are. And we'll get into that. Yeah, I've watched some of it already. It's I've, I've I watched a lot of it when I was a kid. Oh God! I watched a lot of it when I was a kid. It was all I they, had. They, at the they time. divorced the thing from the the Fantastic oh One, <laughs> and now he's like a tra- tra- a kid transforms into the thing. Also, with if magic you're, rings. All right, so that's coming up uh, uh, mm-hmm. later this week. Also, we've got. Uh, uh, over on the Patreon page, you're going to want to check out. We have a poll coming up in the next day or two uh, where you are going to be able to pick the failed live action. I'm oh, sorry, not always live action. Mm. The failed pilot for a Marvel television series that we're going to review mm. in the month of November. They're not all live action. I thought they were. I was wrong. Uh, and your options are going to be Generation X, the live action X-Men television series that had a pilot about subliminal messages in Virtua Fighter video games. Because mm-hmm. that's about mutants. Uh, and Matt Furr plays the bad guy, and he loves it. Uh, we have Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., starring David Hasselhoff in the role that Samuel L. Jackson would make iconic. We have Power Pack, which is about a family of superheroes. Because mm, I've never seen that before uh-huh. from and, Marvel. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> and finally, we have Solar Man, which nobody remembers. It's super weird. He's a solar powered yeah. superhero. Admittedly, so is Superman. That in and of itself isn't weird, but they really lean into it really, really hard. The, the whole solar thing is kind of a, a footnote to Superman. It's like, and he's yeah. super powered. Oh, right. It's from s- the sun's rays. Well, shouldn't he not so have any powers at night? He absorbs them. Yeah. Mm. I, 
I read a, a Superman comic one. I think this is from the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Where Superman is like... I forgot what the circumstances were, but he had like been destroyed. Like his bodily was destroyed. Was, and he, he, tried, struck- he had to stop like a nuclear weapon. That's right. And it, yeah. and it, it nearly killed him. And he was like turned into like zombie and pieces of him were falling off and he was barely alive. And then he was struck by lightning and he was able to sort of like put his hand on the ground and suck the sunlight off an entire forest. And that revived him. Yeah. Yeah. Comics. Mm. So that's coming up. We have a whole it's, bunch of it's other It's the new Greek mythology. <laughs> we have a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to have uh we're going to be reviewing on the Constitution monthly movie exclusive for Patreon listeners. Not one, but two TV movies based on Marvel Comics, the Captain America movies from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them. They're really bad. Yay! They're really I wouldn't want them to be good. Really I wouldn't bad. want them to be good. Um, and of course we have a whole bunch of stuff planned for December and onwards. So please stick around if you can afford to help us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash cancel too soon. We're going to have some bonus content for you there. Uh, if you can't afford that, but you do want to contribute, we have an Amazon wish list where you can send us shows you want us to review in the future. We get through them as fast as we can. We still have a lot. We still have a lot. So we apologize. There's a ton and we're doing as, as best we can. Um, uh, you can also email us, soon at gmail.com, which mm-hmm. it is 2.45 in the morning. We are not going to be doing that, but we need to do like a letters episode. We should do a letters episode because um, we need to catch up. Yeah, we're, maybe we're we'll do pretty, a video or something. We're pretty or, close to a, a lot of the, the letters you guys have written in. But yeah, there's still some going a little ways back that we haven't answered. Um, yeah, but you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, the show is at CancelCast. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. Do, 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 do.